everybody, and welcome to another edition of The Battle Round. I'm your host, Paul Valley, and no, he is not Zach Goodman. He is Ryan Blake filling in for Zach as he's at a uh, he's at a graduation today. So Ryan is uh, kind enough and gracious enough to jump on the show with us today. Today's show is brought to you by Pressbox Online Offers. Baseball season is here, and for the first time in history, you can bet from your phone in Maryland. Go to PressBoxOnline.com offers for the best sports book offers and incentives so you can start winning today. Get up to $1,000 in the deposit bonus match plus a $50 free bet with DraftKings. Just go to PressBoxOnline.com offers to claim your incentive. Good morning. Hello. It is a dreary Gray day here in Baltimore. We have got some uh, inclement weather on the way, but can't steal my sunshine. Orioles win last night 6-3. to three. They score a run in the 6th, 2 in the 7th, 3 in the 8th. The 3 in the 8th coming on Cedric Mullins. 3-run homer. Oh, by the way, that home run got him just the 7th cycle in Orioles history. I don't want to hear this. Oh, uh, the twelfth cycle in Orioles history that I saw uh, it, that I saw on um, Twitter yeah. this morning it, from the MLB um, handle. One, it's not Orioles history if you're counting the St. Louis Browns. It's Browns Orioles history. But just like we don't want the Colts in Indianapolis claiming Baltimore Colts stats, I don't want to claim. No, nobody wants to claim St. Louis Browns stats. It was the St. Louis Browns. They were a terrible franchise. They moved here in 1954. It is Orioles franchise history. The Browns are an afterthought to us. We, George Sisler, and I think that's it. Yeah, that's let, the that's the name we know. Let me let me put it this way: if if the Orioles were to move to Nashville next season, and Adley Rutschman hits for the cycle, let, let's call them the the Nashville. Let's call them the Nashville Predators, just for the sake of argument. The Baltimore Orioles move to Nashville, become the Predators, and next year, Adley Rutschman hits for the cycle. Is that the 13th cycle in Nashville Predators history? No. No, it's the first. Right. It's the first. Exactly. Guys, we got to be careful there. They're not going to Nashville. No, they're not going to Nashville. <laughs> they're not I'm going just, to Nashville. This is, a, this is a, a fully hypothetical situation trying to, to prove a point that there's it makes no sense to include the St. Louis Browns in Orioles history. It, 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 it really doesn't. Uh, look, it's we don't talk about... The Cleveland Browns in Baltimore as part of Baltimore Ravens history. Nope. We're, th- we don't want that. Nobody wants that. Mm-mm. You know, and I don't, I don't have anything against the St. Louis Browns. They're, they're not the Baltimore Orioles. Nope. They, they moved here in, 19, in the offseason between 53 and 54, and it is what it is. But we're bearing the lead here. Cedric Mullins hits for the cycle last night, the seventh, the seventh in Orioles franchise history. And baby, that that birdbath splash zone last night was on fire. And it's funny, it's funny because you're watching the program, and former guest and friend of the show Eric Gardini is uh, interviewed um, by Melanie Newman in the splash zone, and she says, "Do we have a celebration for a triple?" And he goes, uh, "You know, maybe maybe Mullins, maybe Mateo, but I I don't. Th- we're gonna we're gonna see a double. We're gonna see doubles." And then the first two extra base hits of the game are triples. Yep. Cedric Mullins and Ryan Mountcastle. I thought that that was pretty fitting uh, that it happened that way. But, man, what a game. And I, I'm not going to lie. I'm watching that game last night, Ryan. And the Orioles are down one nothing in the fifth inning. They have, like, two or three hits. Their offense looked lifeless. And you're thinking—and and, and to be honest, 
so I, we took my my mom out to um, Mountain Branch for dinner last night, and she chose six thirty as a time for dinner. And it, we were doing it for Mother's Day, so. Yeah. Mom wants to go to Mountain Branch at 6.30. Mom's going to Mountain Branch at 6.30. That's what we did. So I recorded the game because I wanted to be able to watch it to do the show. So, so I recorded it. But every time I record a game and I make sure I don't see anything from the game, when I'm watching it, I get nervous. More nervous than if I'm watching it live because I'm sitting there and I'm like, this game's already over. There's already an outcome. Yeah. And am I going to have recorded this game and go through it to watch them lose? And I kept getting notifications on my phone, like through my watch, and I'm ignoring them. I'm ignoring them. But I got a lot. And I saw my best friend Adam posted. And he usually only posts when the Orioles have a really crappy game or when something really incredible happens. Uh. And the time that he posted was about 9.30. So you're looking about two and a half hours in. And I'm like, the Orioles either hit a walk-off or... They lost it like one to nothing. Yeah. And when it's going, when it's getting into the sixth inning and they're down one to nothing, I'm like, oh my god, they lost this game one to nothing. This is what I'm gonna. This is what I'm sitting here watching for them to lose <laughs> to the freaking Pittsburgh Pirates one to nothing. Then they tie the game, and I'm like, oh, okay. And then they give the lead right back yep. in the in the top of the seventh, and I'm like, they lost this game two to one. <laughs> and then they score again and they take the lead three to two in the seventh. And I'm like, what the hell happened? And I'm sitting there and I'm like, all right. Cedric Mullins is a home run away from the cycle. My buddy is only posting because maybe the Orioles tied the game, or maybe the Pirates tied the game at three, and the Orioles hit a walk-off. Or maybe Cedric, in his final at-bat, hit a home run to get the cycle. And then there's two outs. Cedric's two batters away. A guy reaches uh, – there's one out. Cedric's two, two batters away. Mateo gets out. And then the next batter comes up. It's Taron Vavra. And it goes 3-0 on him. And I'm like, does Vavra walk? And then said he hits a home run. Vavra walks. Said he comes up. And I'm like, there's no way. There's no way. There's no way that this happened. And Kevin Brown's talking about it. And all of a sudden, Cedric hits it. And as soon as he hits it, my wife had just walked upstairs. She's like, babe, I'm going to bed. I'll see you upstairs. Because she had to work this morning. Yeah. She goes upstairs. He hits it. And this is my exact reaction. Oh, my God, he did it. <laughs> oh, my God, he did it. Couldn't believe it. And I knew, I knew right then and there, that's what my buddy posted about. I knew for a fact that that's what he posted about. Orioles win that game 6-3. to three. I go online and I see a post from Adam that says, Cedric Mullins hits for the cycle. And I'm like, I'm so glad that I didn't look. I'm so glad that I got to, to experience it as though it was live, even though I recorded the game. I had no inclination. It, I mean, I had my ideas. You know what I mean? But it was just, it was an awesome game. The splash, the, the bird bath. Is that what it's called, the Birdbath Splash Zone? Birdbath Splash Zone, The yeah. Birdbath Splash Zone was alive. It was vibrant. There were people getting nuts, getting wet. It was oh, I abso- was out there. I had my water wings on. I heard. I saw I saw the uh, your um, interview in the Baltimore Banner. Congrats. Thank you. Yeah, but- Andy Andy came down and uh, and said hello to me. I met him a couple times before, but uh, we were we were chatting it up a little bit, and he was like, actually, do you mind if I get an on-the-record quote for, uh, for an article? I was like, yeah, absolutely. So I... I panicked and was like, "I'm ready to get wet. What can I say?" Yeah, that's that's that's, that's cool, man. Yeah. And, and like, and he 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 noted that you were wearing your swimmies. Yes, that's. I, uh, I told him that we so Megan and I went to Target um, during the day, and uh, we're looking for goggles too. I wanted orange goggles mm-hmm. and couldn't find any that weren't in a kid size. And I wasn't gonna try to squeeze into something. I probably could, but. <laughs> um, but the goggles were so expensive, so we just we grabbed a couple pairs of uh, inflatable 
floaties or water wings, whatever you want to call them, and uh, threw those on at the game. And I got a free T-shirt out of it because the Mr. Splash, I guess they're calling him, he had the floaties on too. They were the same ones. He was throwing out T-shirts, and I stood up and pointed to my water wings, and he threw me a shirt. That's awesome. But, dude, what what an unbelievable experience that was for Mullins to hit for the cycle, especially going into that game, right? I- I'm thinking it's either going to be a dud or one of the most exciting nights we've ever had at Camden Yards. Well, it, it certainly turned out to be one of the most exciting nights at Camden Yards. It was it was it looked like a ton of fun. I wish I could, part of me was jealous. You know, when, when something cool like that happens, yeah. part of me is definitely jealous that I didn't get to get to be a part of it. But at the same time, I'm a part of a lot of other cool things, and I've been yeah. to a lot of cool games. You know, I, I was at Adley's major league debut. I was at. Uh, Grayson Rodriguez's home debut. You know what I mean? I, I got to go to a game with the infamous Ryan Blake, who was quoted in the Baltimore banner. <laughs> you know what I mean? I got to go to a game with you. And, um, you know, I sat five rows behind home plate last Monday against the Rays. Uh, so, it, you know, th- there there are plenty of things that I've done that other people get, don't get to do. But it was definitely, you're sitting there and you're like, definitely have FOMO. Like, damn, look how much hey, fun they're having. You'll have your chance. They're doing it all season. I know, Every game. All the games are sold out. Uh, uh, the, for that section, that section is sold out today and tomorrow. For this series, yes. Yeah. But they're, they're is, doing all the... I got uh, I got front row for Hawaiian shirt day, so I'm, I'm pumped about that one. That's awesome. I, You know, I've never owned an, an Orioles Hawaiian shirt. I think I've just gotten one. See, and the thing is, the Hawaiian shirt, man, do you. That's not for me. It, it, it's not for me, but now you you get to a point. They've been doing it for what, like seven, eight years? I think so. And, and it's like, well, now I kind of like want to have one just to have one. You know, yeah. I I I'd never wear it unless I was at like an actual like cookout or luau or something like that. But yeah. it would be cool just to be like, I, now I have one too. I have one, maybe two that the team has given away, but I also have one with uh, Dylan Atkinson's face all over it for from his uh, bachelor party we went to a game last year. Oh, I didn't, know, his, I didn't know you guys were boys like that. His, I didn't either, honestly. But he, his, well, his uh, best man had these Hawaiian shirts made up with, uh, yeah, just a cut out of Dylan's face all over him. It's great. That's awesome, man. That's so. That's funny. Uh, w- one year, um, so my buddy Mike Habersack, he used to play in the band Tripwire. I think he still does the occasional show here and there. He was their lead guitarist, and he, the guy just shreds. He went to NYU and got a master's in music. Like he, he just absolutely melts faces. But so. They were playing the Christmas party at Looney's in Bel Air back in 2015. Back in 2015. And I gave Mike his nickname. And his nickname is Mike from Tripwire. And that's where the social media is and all that. And it was funny. I gave him the nickname because um, we were at the bar at the same time, but we actually weren't hanging out. And these girls walked by him, and I was walking by behind them, and I stopped and I looked at them, and then randomly I just yelled, "Oh my God, it's Mike from Tripwire!" <laughs> and like that—that's how the nickname started. So it was an ugly Christmas sweater party. So what I did was I got—I took a thermal that I had, and I took it to a print shop, and I had a picture of Mike wearing a Santa hat put onto the shirt with the caption, "Oh my Santa, it's Mike from Tripwire." That's great. I came in second place in the ugly uh, Christmas sweater party. I should have won. I should have won. won. It was it was awesome. I got, but I did get a twenty four pack of Sam Adams. There no idea what happened to that. that. That was a that was a wild night. It's a blur, and I don't know what happened to that twenty four pack. I think somebody else walked away with it. But it was Maybe. I won it. But anyway, baseball show. Back to it. Uh, Kyle Bradish. He uh he continues a streak of hot pitching for the Orioles rotation. Seven starts now, allowing three earned runs or less in five innings or more. 
Over that seven-start stretch, the Orioles' starters ERA is 204, and they're averaging five and two-thirds innings pitched per start, which a few years back, that wouldn't have been great, the the, inning, the innings pitched per start. But 5.2 innings pitched by now, your starters are getting into the sixth inning yeah. every time, and, and that's, that's what you want. Um, so Kyle... He was the guy that gave up three runs in five innings. He had the worst of the of the of the starts in the seven in this seven start stretch. Yeah. So you're wondering, you know, he's been up and down this year. Sometimes he's looked really good, and in the same game, he's looked unhittable, and then couldn't get anybody out. We've seen that. So you're wondering what's going to happen here. Cole Irvin and, and DL Hall are dominating down the AAA right now. So you're thinking, who has the shortest leash? And by default at this point, it's Kyle Bradish because everybody else seems to be, be turning their seasons around. Yeah. Um. And then he goes out there and he walks the first batter on like five pitches. And I'm like, oh, God, we got bad Kyle Bradish tonight. <laughs> you can tell. Like, I remember going to yeah. the start of his last year and I watched him warm up in the bullpen. I watched him throw six pitches and none of them were near the strike zone. And then he went out and threw 34 pitches in the first inning and he had, he had as many balls as strikes. Um, and that was against the Yankees last May. And I could tell in his warm-ups, we got, we got bad Kyle Bradish tonight. So can I, can I play devil's advocate real quick? Sure. How many times have we seen? And I'm I'm not disagreeing with you because that's exactly what happened. But how many times have we seen a pitcher come out and throw either a no hitter or a completely dominant performance, and uh, they say I I didn't feel great in my warmups. Uh, Nolan Ryan is famous for his seventh no hitter back in I think it was '93. Yeah. He said that he felt awful. Like he was like I'm going to give you what I can, but I don't think I'm going to last very long today. And then he goes out and throws a no hitter. Didn't John Means the day of his no hitter said he was like nauseous before the game or mm-hmm. something? He almost had to be scratched. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, it's it's um, it's not uncommon for the bullpen to ha- that you throw before the game to have nothing to do with how you do in the game. Anyway, that's just a little tidbit. I didn't. I wasn't trying to disagree with your assessment uh, no, of Bradish because I oftentimes you see a bad bullpen and it's. It carries and over into the game. There are times, and it was like when you would watch Jordan Lyles last year, and when Jordan Lyles would come out in the first inning, you'd see him missing up. In his bad starts, you would see him missing up a lot and just staying at the top of the zone, and then he'd get hammered. And it's like, well, I could tell this, that this was coming in the first inning because his pitches were all up. Same thing with Dean Kramer this year to a certain extent. Yeah. So you're watching Bradish. He walks the leadoff guy on, on five pitches, and you're like, oh, God, here we go against the Pirates, no less. And he didn't walk another batter. The rest of the game, he gave up three. He allowed three base runners. The rest of the game, he gave up an unearned run on some shoddy third inning defense from Jorge Mateo. Um, goes six innings, three hits, one one run, none earned, one walk, six strikeouts. Continues his dominant stretch of starting pitching for the Baltimore Orioles, and that leads me to Steve Phillips. Steve Phillips came out and he said in an interview, or I think it was on his show. The Orioles have the second best record in the American League. The Orioles are not the second best team in the American League. They're going to be lucky to get a thir- the third wild card spot. Their starting pitching has an ERA of 5.08. And on the one hand, you know, it's easy for us here in Baltimore to sit there and say, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. This Orioles team is different, blah, 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 blah. If your starting pitching's ERA is 5.08 the entire season, you're not going to do big things. On the other hand, the starting pitchers, that, that, that it's not like the starting pitchers in this rotation are you know, I don't know, insert name here, Kevin Kevin Millwood and, you know, I, I don't know. I, I can't think of them all <laughs> off, the t- off the top of my head. But, like, Steve th- Traxel. Yes, yeah, st- exactly. It's not It's not like it's those guys. Kyle Gibson's a, a, a pretty darn good pitcher. He's not an ace. He was signed for $10 million. He's not an ace, but he's 
the veteran of this staff. You know, Tyler Wells is one of the better um, American League starting pitchers right now. He's not, you know, he's not an ace either, but he's a solid two or a three. The, the Kyle Bradish, Dean Kramer, Grayson Rodriguez is going to be an ace. I have no doubts about that. These guys are legitimate starting pitchers. They're not 508 combined ERA pitchers. It's still early. We're in the second week of May. So you, you, you understand on the one hand 508 ERA, but you also understand this team hasn't really gotten going yet. You know, they haven't clicked on all, on all cylinders very often this year, and yet they're still 25 and 13. So, I don't know. And every year they went to the playoffs in from 2012 to 2016, they were expected to wit, to be sub-500. Pakota had them rated as a sub-500 team in their predictions every year. And they defied the odds. They said, you know, these predictions, these forecasts be damned. We're going to go out there and play our best ball. The Orioles, you can again, you can make the argument they haven't played their best baseball, and they have the second best record in baseball, tied with the Atlanta Braves. What are we thinking about this team? They're four and three since this gauntlet started. Um, they should have gone five and one. Really, they were two pitches away from sweeping the Atlanta Braves, and we talked about this on our show the the other night. The, to me, the and, and look, the Pirates they've lost ten of eleven since they started twenty and nine. To me, they're not. I kind of saw that coming yeah. from them. They, they aren't that good. Um, but it, it's hard to argue against the fact that the Baltimore Orioles are for real. What rubs So Steve Phillips is right in the sense that, yes, the Orioles starting rotation ERA is high. No, it's not likely that <coughs> a team with that starting rotation ERA is going to play deep into October. What bothered me about what he said on the air was that the Orioles – have been fortunate to get to this point with the second-best record in baseball because they have won games that they did not deserve to win. Right. What? What about all the games that we did deserve to win that we lost or that we should have won and lost? What about the dropped pop-up in left field that the the Red Sox had a walk-off homer on the very next batter? What about those games? Mm -hmm. If you win a baseball game, it's because you were better than the other team generally. I don't I don't look at the Orioles record or past games and say they've been fortunate to get these wins. I think they've earned their wins and they they deserve to be the second best team in baseball right now. I think they have played that way. Yeah. I don't I don't understand how you can look at that and sh- have they not deserved it because they've had an easier schedule? I don't know. But at, at, it it rubs me the wrong way. Well, look, if you if, if you're going to begrudge a team for playing a soft schedule, a you play the schedule that they make for you. Yeah, the Orioles did. You have to beat the team in front of you. Yeah, the, the Orioles didn't choose their schedule. The schedule was made for them. You know, they knew their opponents, but the schedule was made for them. Tampa Bay got off to a 13-0 start, playing a very similar schedule to the Orioles. Yeah, like their season started against like the six worst teams in baseball. To be fair, the Rays were blowing those teams out every game. Yeah, th- that's that's but, true. Yeah. They, I think they won their first 11 games by four plus runs. Yeah, their, e- their run game. their run differential. They they had the most points scored and the fewest points allowed for like the first month of the season. Points. And it was this is runs. baseball, Sorry. bro. Gosh. Points. Goodness gracious! Come on my show and you call runs points. That's I. I better. I better leave. I'm sorry. That was bad. <laughs> no, that's run. They had the they had the best run differential by a wide mark. It was one of the best I think in the yeah. modern era of baseball. I think it may have been the best. So they set a record with yeah. the, with 11 straight wins yeah. by four plus runs. But you beat the team that's in front of you. Yeah, and, and the Orioles have done that. I, I, I'm I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm not. I mean, yeah. Tampa Bay started 13-0 against those really bad teams. 
the Orioles had a 22 game stretch against sub 500 teams, and they went 18 and five. 17 and five. Seven. I think it was. Was it 18 and five? No, they went 18 and four. They went 18 and four in a 22 game stretch against sub 500 teams. That's ridiculous. Yeah. That's ridiculous. I'm sorry. It was 23 games. 23 games. They went 18 and five. They won 16. They went 16 and four in the in the 20 games before the first game against Atlanta. Um, but re- regardless, they're playing 800 ball over a 20 game stretch. They're playing like 780 ball over a 23 game stretch. It is absolutely bananas the record that that they put up. And then they go in and they they they, they don't just they don't just hold their own against the two best what what you can argue are the two best teams in baseball in the Braves and the Rays. Yeah. They were neck and neck with those teams. You know, they took two or three from from the Rays and the loss was a 3 to nothing game because they they faced Maybe the best left-handed pitcher in baseball with in, in their, Shane McClanahan. Their, their star outfielder who hit for the cycle last night and had two career homers against McClanahan riding the bench that night for some reason. Yeah, uh, don't don't even get me started on that. <laughs> like, you want to give Seti a day off. Do it the next night. Do it give, the next night against Zach the, Eflin. He's yeah. crushed lefties this year. He's been great against McClanahan. Hit a first-pitch homer off of him at Camden Yards last July. Yeah. Ride some pine tonight, bro. Yeah. What? Yeah. And the Orioles end up losing that game 3 nothing, But they, they lost two one-run games to the Braves. And the the game Saturday night against the Braves, that happens. You know, you, you're up by one in the bottom of the eighth inning. The home team's batting, and they hit a two-run homer. That happens. You take your tan- your chances with Danny. Uh, how the hell do you pronounce his last name? I was told it was Coulomb. Now I hear him calling. I, I hear them calling him Coulomb. I, I have no idea. I think I think it's Coulomb. 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 Yeah. Okay, you take your chances, Danny. Omer Coul- um. Uh, something like that. I don't know. You, you take your chances, with Danny Coulomb, and and. You know, he gave up a two-run homer to Kevin Pillar. Of all people, Kevin Pillar. But, like, all the all the guys on the Braves that can beat you and you give up the two-run homer to Kevin Pillar. Of all, like, the, the nemesis of all the people. And then, you know, the next the next day, that one, you leave with a sour taste in your mouth because the Orioles had a two-to-one lead in the bottom of the 10th inning. And it was a wild pitch that tied that game back up. Without that wild pitch, the Orioles win the game. Somebody said on Twitter, and I couldn't believe this, without that rule, without that extra innings ghost runner rule, the Orioles win that game. And it's like, well, no, they don't. Without that rule, the Orioles don't score in the top of the 10th because they started with a guy on second and he scored. Right. You know, so it's 6-1 and a half dozen of the other. The rule is what the rule is. The Orioles didn't lose because of it. They lost because Felix Bautista threw a 52-foot uh, slider <laughs> and – it got past the catcher. Um, that's the one that you kind of want back. But even still, the Orioles, they go 3-3 three and three against the two best teams in baseball. They're neck and neck with them. Every single game was close. It felt like playoff baseball. And you watch them play that game, and you're like, and they rose to the challenge. The, the starting pitching had been so bad. It's, in that Kansas City series, they were atrocious. They like seven runs a game. Yeah, they were absolutely atrocious. And yet, when... You're push, when your back's up against the wall and you're facing these incredible teams, you hold the Rays to six runs in three games. You hold the Braves to, what was it? Uh, I think it was like eight runs in three games, something like that. Like, right. like No, I'm, I'm sorry. It was like 13 runs or whatever because I think they scored six in that middle game. But even still, you shut down the two best teams in baseball, neck and neck with them. How you can look at the Orioles now and not think of them as one of the best teams in baseball is beyond me. They, they, they've proven it for a month and a half now. You know, this isn't the Pirates starting 20-9 and nine and losing 10 of 11. This is the Orioles starting 
22 and 10, and now they're 25 and 13, and it's like they're still doing it yeah. against better competition. It's been certainly awesome to see. Do me a favor, Ryan. I'm going to give Stan a call. Will you read this Glenn Clark read for us here? Happily. Thank you, sir. All right. Press Box's Glenn Clark Radio is the definitive place to find the best daily discussion of Baltimore sports. Watch the show every weekday from 10 to noon at youtube.com slash pressboxonline or facebook.com slash pressboxsports or listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio. With podcasts available on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts, you never know who might pop up on GCR. This week, the guys caught up with Orioles pitcher Kyle Gibson, Kentucky Derby riding winner Javier Castellano, and owner Ramiro Restrepo, I hope that's right, and Ravens sixth-round pick Salah Amuvi Lawula. That was rough. Salah Amuvi Amuvi Anyway. You can find those interviews and more right now in the Glenn Clark Radio Week in Review feature at PressBoxOnline.com. I'm sorry. That was rough. It's all right, though. We got there. We we got there. We, I, I wasn't expecting it to be written out phonetically, and it was, and I still got it wrong. Oh, that that's all right. It, it's so funny because I always used to give those ones to Zach to have him read, <laughs> and he he called um he called Ralph Friedgen... Ralph Fridgen? Oh no! And I was like, "Oh, my, you're never doing this again." <laughs> it, like he, it, 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 it was funny watching him try and read those names because he's so bad at figure, figuring that out. Yeah. But when he called Ralph Fridge and Ralph Fridgen, I had, I, I had to be like, "All right." I thought I nailed Javier Castellano and Ramiro Restrepo, and then I get Sala a movie, Laulu. La, oh man, La, 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 those Hawaiian Ulu. Samoan names, man, they are, they are so difficult to do. Um, I, Stan did not answer. I'm going to give him a call one more time, but talk to us a little bit about the splash zone, what that was like last night, the atmosphere there. Um, was there anything that, that, that you thought they could have done better? I, I thought the waterworks were going to be a little bit different than what they were, but cause it, it, I, it looked like he was, was, did he have a hose or was it like a squirt gun? He had a hose. Well, he had both. He had one of those things that you like kind of put in the water and pull out the back of it and it fills up and then you, you spray it out. He had one of those. He also had a hose with the, you know, the little little squeeze nozzle trigger. But yeah, it it was I think there are certainly ways to improve it. I'm not sure I know what those ways are. It was really fun. It was a lot of fun. They have the guy Mr. Splash set up in that little I guess empty way between the bullpen and the stands. And they have him spray the hose and it's tough because he's only supposed to get section 86. And so if you're on the aisle closer to 84, you're probably not going to get quite as wet. But in any event, it was a ton of fun. And uh, I don't know, maybe maybe give the fans a cup of water or free like mini water bottles so we can kind of spray them up in the air. I don't know. But it, it was cool. It was really cool. Yeah. How crazy did they get when Cedric hit that, that home run? Dude, okay. So did, did you get Stan on? No, he okay. he he um he didn't answer. It rang all the way through the first time, and then it rang like two and a half times and went to voicemail. So he might okay. be de- dealing with something. So uh, okay, well, uh, looks like we're not gonna have Stan on the show today unless he calls back in the next five minutes or so. Um, but you know, so all right, so back back to Cedric then. <coughs> so when when Cedric hit the double, I think it was the the sixth inning. No, it was probably later than that. Anyway, we're we're all out there in the splash zone through four innings four and two-thirds of, of Orioles offense, 
we don't have an extra base hit. So we're kind of clamoring for something, getting a little restless, right? And then Mullins hits the triple, and that breaks the ice, and things get going. He already had a single in the game, which I, did, I hadn't even remembered, but he hits that double, and I go to look at the box score to make sure that they ruled the triple a triple because I see up on the scoreboard, oh, he's three for four. He must have had a single two earlier. Mm-hmm. So I look, I'm like, oh, he's a triple shot of the cycle. I go up to Eric and say, uh, or, uh, no, this was after Adley's double to tie it. Eric comes down, and he's celebrating with me, and I tell him, hey, by the way, said he's a, a homer shy of the cycle. And uh, it was tied at that point. The Orioles hadn't taken the lead, so I was like, we doing walk-offs, walk-off homer for the cycle? How are we feeling about it? And uh, so, you know, he gets it going in his mind, and obviously everyone else starts to become aware of it. And then uh, the, I was talking to the beer man when Mullins came up after Vavra's walk in the eighth. I was talking to the beer man, so I didn't even see the swing of the bat. I just saw, the, I heard the crowd erupt, and I look up, and I see the ball traveling onto the flag court. And it was, is bedlam the word I'm looking for? I think, <laughs> bedlam, mayhem, chaos, chaos oh, coming. All of the above. It was <coughs> an absolutely wild time. Mr. Splash spraying the, the, the hose everywhere he could. Um, just unbelievable. Unbelievable atmosphere. And then for Mullins to come out onto the field by himself, for his teammates to give him that moment where he was able to tip his cap to the outfield, it was really special. Yeah, it, it, it looked special. I, I got I to be honest. So, like, Kevin Brown calls the, makes this call, and it's, it's a great call. I love Kevin Brown. He's and, so and, good. Anybody man. that disparages him, like, what game are you watching? He's so damn good. Yeah. He's so good. The only criticism I ever see of him is that he's, like, a little dorky, maybe. Well, who cares? Like, yeah, who, it's, it's I, entertaining. The When... when after what was the name of the actor who played Omar? Oh, uh, shoot! Isn't that a shame? Um, Isn't that yeah. a shame? I can't remember his name. Well, the, after the day that he died, the Orioles played a game, um, and Austin Hayes hit a home run, and Kevin Brown yells out, "You come at the king, you best not miss." Yeah, <clears throat> that was awesome. Yeah, that was one of the best calls I've ever heard. Not not my call of it. I had to like clear my throat <laughs> mid, midway through, but. He's so good. He's so lighthearted when it comes to this team. He, you can tell he's always having the time of his life. Yeah. I don't care if he's dorky. I don't. I don't watch the, the game so that I can think that the broadcaster is a cool guy. The great thing about it is he knows that he's a little dorky and he embraces that. Right. That's and that's why I love him. If if you're watching the game and you're hearing his calls, the only gripe, and it's a stupid gripe that I could ever find with him, is sometimes he's a jinx. Sometimes he's a jinx. But all announcers are. Exactly. That's that's just it because they they're going to talk you're going to talk about a stat. You're going to talk about Adley Rutschman is 0 for his last 19 and then he or is 0 for his last 18 and then he hits a home run. Like that's going to happen. Like if the other broadcaster Adley Rutschman coming to the plate 0 for his last 19, high drive deep in the right field. Like that's going to happen. If something it, it's like when um was it Jim Nance or Al Michaels? It was Al Michaels on Sunday Night Football, and the Ravens were playing, and Justin Tucker hadn't missed um, an extra. He hadn't missed a field goal inside forty yards yeah. in like his last seventy-nine attempts or whatever, and then the field goal gets blocked. It was against the Patriots, I believe, and he yeah. goes, "Well, there's the announcer jinx. Y- you have to talk about a streak yeah. like that it, to the point it's when it gets broken." They're gonna, you're a jinx no matter what. Yeah, they bring it up every single field goal attempt or extra point attempt. So exactly. It's bound to happen eventually. I, I, f- I feel like people take jinxes too seriously. They like the other day, right, Grayson Rodriguez gets the start, 
and he strikes out the first batter. It mm-hmm. was his first time in seven tries that he retired the leadoff batter. Yep. I tweeted with the little alarm emojis, Grayson retired the leadoff batter. Then he immediately gives up a, a home run to Wander Franco, which, by the way, was on a great 2-0 pitch. Mm-hmm. That was 99 on the inner black, up in the zone. That's just a great swing by a great hitter. Wander Franco's really good. He's really good. He's really good. But that was a good pitch. Mm-hmm. It's not a pitch you expect to get put into the bleachers. But I had a few people responding to me like, nice job, you jinxed it. No, I didn't. Grayson retired the leadoff batter. That's what I said, and he did that. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, dude, I did the same thing. I had to take um, – I had just gotten home from work, and I had been there a little bit later than I anticipated, and so I had to take Bruce Wayne, my, my, my beautiful lab, my one-plus-year-old puppy – who weighs 100 freaking pounds. He's a, he is a unit, man. Like and, and he's he's just muscular. He's just so freaking strong. I had to take him for a walk. And I had tried to time it out just right till I got back in time for first pitch, but I paused the ga- I paused the Orioles pregame show just in case because I love Grayson Rodriguez and I want to watch him pitch every time he goes out there. So I paused the pregame show just in case I got back a little late. And that's what happened. The game started at 6:35 and we got back into the house and it was like 6:42. Grayson Rodriguez strikes out the leadoff batter, and I tweeted the same thing. For the first time in seven career outings, Grayson Rodriguez is retired the leadoff hitter. And then I immediately see him give up the home run to Franco, and then I, I quote tweet myself and go, and then he gives up a home run to Wander Franco. Like, my bad. Something like that. Yeah. But And he he was phenomenal, that start. Yeah. Six innings, two runs. He was absolutely phenomenal. The, the, the jinx isn't a real thing. No. It's just going to happen because when you call enough games and enough things happen, eventually you're going to say something and the the opposite's going to happen. That's yeah. just that's that's it's the nature sports. of nature that's, of sport. That's the nature of life. Yeah. Like that's just how life works. So um, I love Kevin Brown. The whole point of this was to say how much I love Kevin Brown. His yeah. call was epic. When they they kept showing, man, we need. How do I put this without making people feel like I'm insulting them? That front row of the Splash Zone, they needed more energy. They're, dude, they were Pirates fans. Were they really? I, I had I had four right in front of me, a family of four directly to our left, two more in the row behind me. I think it's because they had already sold a bunch of tickets for this game mm-hmm. before they announced the Splash Zone. Sure. So Pirates fans coming in town had already bought some of these oh, tickets. Oh, man. So the front row was like half Pirates fans. Those poor people, they buy those tickets, and then they get there, and they're like, what? The, what is this? Yeah. Uh, this is a this is a two hundred dollar Dolce and Gabbana top. What? Are, <laughs> no! Oh God! Yeah. Can you imagine? Can you imagine buying tickets for a game, getting there and finding out you're in the freaking splash zone? Yeah. Is this, what is this? Couple SeaWorld? people left, but that's I sc- I screwed up. I got the the aisle seats in the second row, so I wasn't even in the camera shot. Mm. But I know I know better for next time. You got to get aisle seats though, man. You absolutely yeah. have to get aisle seats. I'm glad we were, I'm glad we were where we were, but I wish we had been on the on the camera. It, well, you know, I was I got seats. Five rows behind home plate for the last one this game. I actually ran into Ryan um, come, walking in from the parking lot. He was there with his lovely fiance Megan. Mm-hmm. And I. Um, and you were there with your lovely father-in-law. I was there with my lovely father-in-law. And uh, I was like, holy crap, there's Ryan. And then, and then we're both kind of. It was a Michael Sarah moment from. Um, what's the movie? From, from Superbad. Yeah. We we're both like walking to the same spot. And you're like, we come up on the street, and they're holding up the pedestrian traffic yeah. to let the cars go in. And you're like, you're like, all right, man, I'll I'll see you, bye. And like I can just imagine you like, <laughs> carrying your book, your backpack, and walking <laughs> fast to be in the same spot that we are. But we well, were like in the back of the line, and you moved up on the side to the front. Here's the thing, I can't. I can't stop at the back of the. I have to. I have to sneak up onto the side so that I'm 
on the street when they start allowing traffic. No, d- I, I have to get into the stadium as soon as possible. And I, I saw that you guys were like starting to slow down in the back. Mm. I was like, all right, we're we're gonna we're gonna make our way. I. I thought, I, I, I thought it was the right opportunity to say, you know, we'll it, catch it, you later. It was. It just yeah. made it just made me think no, of, I, yeah, of super yeah. bad. And the, the funny thing is, I had a similar experience this past week. I was I was walk my um my business partner and I we walked to the Seven Eleven down the street from our office, and we're coming back, and he sees a friend that he knew in high school who he hasn't seen in years because he moved to California. He, this mm-hmm. guy happens to be in town for a wedding. He's across the street from us. And we're like, hey, and we had to wait like a minute for the light to turn red so that he could come across the street. And then we're talking and then we're like, all right, great to see you, man. We'll, we'll, we'll catch up with you later. And we start to walk away and they're going in the same direction, yeah, literally uh, in the same direction. So they're a foot behind us. And we had just said, bye. And it's like, don't, don't look back. Don't look back. Always uncomfortable. It, it was so always. funny, but it wasn't even uncomfortable then. Cause I knew I like, I knew that you were going up to the front and normally I'm that guy that wants to get up to the front too. Cause I'm super, I'm like a little kid when I go to the, no, to the me game. Yeah. Um, so, but I was with my father-in-law when I'm t- when I take somebody who I've never been to an Orioles game except the game that I got engaged in the in the, in the luxury suite that he paid for half of. I'd never been to an Orioles game with him before otherwise, and I didn't know if he wanted to move up to the front. I didn't want to be like my thing is I hate how slow people walk in stadiums. Yeah. I know where I'm going and I want to get where I'm going as I'm quickly the exact as possible. Same way. So when people are walking super slow, I like bob and weave in and out of traffic and everything yeah. like that. Like people it's, traffic, it's, it's a sport almost. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so. I didn't know if he would like be cool with that, so I kind of like hung back with him, you know. And it, yeah. when, on opening day, I took my best friend's dad to opening day, and similar thing. And he really can't walk fast. He he crushed his ankle as a younger man, mm. jumping off a cruise ship in the water that he thought was significantly deeper. Ooh. So he uh, he can't walk very That's well. Rough. So when I go to the games by myself, I'm right there with you. When I go to the games with you, I've only been to one. But when I went to the game with you, you know, we had the same mindset. Just, let's yep. let's bob and let's get through. where we're going. Yeah, exactly. So. Um, but yeah, man, th- that splash zone, they, 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 every time they showed it, from the angle that they showed it, the front row, like, everybody in the back is, like, going nuts. Yeah. But the people in the front row, they're just like, yeah, woo. And I'm just like, yeah. Man, like, when, when Seti hit the home run, they go to the splash zone, I'm like, what? they don't look that that thrilled. Man. Right. Put, put me in there. Yeah. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll take my shirt dude, off I and was, jump on the field. I was in the aisle hitting the sprinkler mm-hmm. and waving my arms in the air. Yeah, dude, it was, uh, the, the, the camera angle wasn't the greatest, but, uh, they, they, they did get some other shots in there. I saw myself on TV a time or two. Yeah. But, oh, the whole point that I was making when I went to the game with my, uh, with my father-in-law oh, yeah, yeah. is that we were five rows off the, off the field behind home plate, but we were just off to the left enough or the right, depending on your vantage point that we weren't on screen. Uh, they, like, the row that we were in across the aisle from us was on screen the entire game, but we were on the wrong side of the aisle. At one point in the third inning, my father-in-law stood up to let somebody out of the row, and you could see from his belly button down. <laughs> so it was like, hey, he's on TV, 15 seconds of fame or whatever. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, man, it, the, the, the whole experience, um, it looked like the whole experience was was cool. Um. It looked like a ton of fun. The Orioles with a big win last night. They, uh, you're hoping they're going to get the win tonight because the matchup tomorrow is a little bit more difficult. Um, Mitch Keller's been fantastic yeah, lately. Yeah, Mitch, Mitch Keller is phenomenal. Now, look, the Orioles have held their own against the best pitchers in baseball uh, to, to this point this year. You know, except yeah. for... No, no, Spencer Strider. They, they, they crushed Spencer Strider. They got um, to Strider a bit, and no, they, no, not Strider. Max Fried. Max Fried. Max Fried they, they, they got. They, they crushed Max Fried. Spencer Strider shut him down. Spen- seven, seven runs from off of Fried. Five earned. All honestly, if we're if we're making this argument, all seven runs should be earned. The errors were on the pitcher. 
Yeah. I, I hate that if a pitcher makes an error, he's off the hook for earned runs. Yeah, exactly. You made the error. You're the pitcher. But it's an earned run for you, buddy. Yeah, but they did. They got to Freed. They crushed him. Strider was solid, but the Orioles were, you know, they didn't. he didn't dominate like he does often. Yeah. Um, and then they get Mitch Keller tomorrow, and he, I think, had a complete game shutout his last time out. But he's he been, did. he's been on a really impressive stretch. Yeah, he's he's pitching really well um, for the Pirates out there. He's a big reason why they started the season so hot. I I, I think they're going to fall off a cliff. I think they already have. Um, I but, think I think Keller's due for some regression too. Maybe he's, every every year there's a stretch where baseball fans convince themselves that Mitch Keller has finally figured it out. And mm-hmm. he, he always falls back. Yeah, well, maybe maybe that starts tomorrow. The Orioles um, take really good at bats, and they have a tendency to make really good pitchers look not as good as as they are. So, I mean, even Johan Oviedo last night goes. Uh, I, I don't know if he finished six, but one run. He was he yeah. was great. He was he was absolutely fantastic. And I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm watching. I'm like, oh my gosh, this guy's he's just destroying them. And he's a guy who came in with a 5 plus ERA. Mhm. 74 I think it was. Yeah, sometimes that that happens. Sometimes you're the windshield, sometimes sometimes you're the bug, sometimes you're the windshield, Yeah. right? So, uh what we're going to do here um uh, as we try and recalibrate, uh, I don't know what's going on with Stan. I hope it's not something serious. Um I'll reach out to him after the show and make sure everything's okay, but we're going to get our first break here. I want to remind you that the latest edition of PressBox is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson looks at the pipeline of talent still to come for the Orioles, diving in on last year's number one pick, Jackson Holiday, and other top prospects like Colton Kowser, Heston Kerstad, Kobe Mayo, and more. Also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles Orioles pitcher Kyle Gibson, and both smoke a breaks down what progress would mean for the Ravens' 2022 draft picks in their second pro season. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always Always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. When we come back in, Ryan is going to sound off in place of Zach. Uh, we're going to do some uh, some of the payoff pitch around the league and then Orioles banter. That and more next on The Batter Round. Hartford Community College in Bel Air, Maryland, along with the National Junior College Athletic Association's Region 20, will host the 2023 NJCAA Men's Lacrosse National Championship May 13th and 14th at Hartford Sports Complex, 401 Thomas Run Road in Bel Air. Semifinals are on Saturday, May 13th. The National Championship is Sunday, May 14th. Catch the action for $10 each day. Tickets will be available in advance or at the gate on game day. Qualifying teams will be announced. The latest edition of PressBox is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson looks at the pipeline of talent still to come for the Orioles, diving in on last year's number one pick, Jackson Holiday, and other top prospects like Colton Kowser, Heston Kerstad, Kobe Mayo, and more. Also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles Orioles pitcher Kyle Gibson, and Bo Smolka breaks down what progress would mean for the team's 2022 draft picks in their second pro season. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. What air conditioning company can save 50% of your energy cost and qualify you for up to $7,500 in rebates? A.J. Michaels. We do more, we do it better for less. In Baltimore and Annapolis, AJMichaels.com. That first sip. That first bite. 
Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Costas Inn has been serving up delicious steamed crabs for over 50 years. Lately, the crabs you want to eat when the weather warms up have gotten harder and harder to get. So get your crab eating game plan in place. Make sure to stick this number on your fridge. 410-477-1975. Call ahead and reserve the size crabs you want. You may be able to walk in, but you may also be disappointed at the size or maybe even get shut out altogether. So call ahead, have a plan, and then arrive on your crab eating vacation. Costas also has delicious crab soup and crab cakes. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. For more than 50 years, they've been satisfying crab lovers in and around Baltimore. Welcome back into the Bat Around. Today's show brought to you by Stan the Fan Charles, who has changed up the format for his weekly shows. Now every Monday at 6 p.m., Stan will be joined by former Orioles pitcher Ross Grimsley and Press Box's managing editor Luke Jackson to break down the latest with the birds. Every Thursday night, Stan and Gary Stein will chat with a different newsmaker from the world of sports. This week, Stan and Gary caught up with Ravens executive Kevin Ravens executive Kevin Rocklitz. You can watch the shows live at Facebook.com slash PressBox. Or find them the next day at PressBoxOnline.com slash video and YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. So join Ross, Stan, and Luke this Monday and every Monday at 6 p.m. Back here rolling along on the bat around. Ryan, you are filling in for Zach today, and we certainly appreciate it. And I, Anytime I get to do two shows with you in a week, it's a treat for me. So I appreciate you coming in here today. Um, what you got for us for sounding off? Well, thank you for the compliment, first of all. I, I enjoy doing our show together, and I, I appreciate that uh, I'm generally your first thought when you need a, a fill-in, so I, I, always. I'm, I'm always glad to do it. So I, I started writing this, this sounding off piece, and I wanted to talk about how for the past several years, being an Orioles fan has been synonymous with disappointment and low expectations, and how being a fan of a bad baseball team makes you appreciate the victories even more because they don't happen as often. And how now the Orioles are good, and with that comes expectations, but it's important to not become content with just being good. It's okay as a fan to expect more, even when the results to this point have been very good. That's what I wanted to talk about, because the Orioles aren't just an underdog story anymore. They're a legitimately good team, and with that comes expectations. I was going to talk about that. Tomorrow's Mother's Day. And I don't, I don't mean to get sappy, but this is, is genuinely what I want to talk about. Yesterday, my family laid to rest a cousin of mine. He was 41 years old. Tomorrow's Mother's Day. His mother, my mom's sister, are you, are you an aunt or an aunt? What, what, do, you, what do you call? I, 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 I feel weird a, saying I say, aunt. I say with, aunt. I say aunt, even though it's spelled aunt. I've said aunt my entire life. And like the people, like... My, I'm really close with some of my aunts, and I've always been Aunt Fran, Aunt Lou, Aunt Maria. So it's like it would be weird to start calling them aunt. And right. I feel like, I'm, what am I, British? I, I call them all like Aunt Lisa, Aunt Jane. But when I say the word by itself, I feel weird just saying my aunt. I feel like I should be saying my aunt, whatever. Anyway, that doesn't matter. 
the, the mother of, of my cousin who, who we had a funeral for yesterday, the absolute sweetest lady on the face of the earth. With tomorrow being Mother's Day, I just want to say call your mom or call a motherly figure in your life. If you don't have one, call someone you know who is a mother to someone else. Make that connection. It's important. I take my mother for granted far too often. I take the mother figures in my life far too often. I've lost both my grandmothers now. I can't call them anymore. If you have someone in your life who you are lucky enough to call a motherly figure, give them a call. Tell them how much you love them, how much you appreciate them. That's important. Not only tomorrow on Mother's Day, but every day. Make it a point to call at least a couple times a week if you don't live near each other, if you're, you're at some kind of distance. I don't really have a... I guess a, a, a point to that, other than don't take your mothers for granted with tomorrow being Mother's Day. It's, uh, it's a special holiday, and uh, I think we need to make sure we appreciate our mothers because yesterday kind of put things in perspective for me. She, she has now had to bury her husband and one of her sons, and that's a devastating thing. Make sure you tell the people in your life that you appreciate them. Well said. Well said. Um, yeah, it's... It, I took my mom out for Mother's Day last night, um, and we had, we had a ton of fun. And I and it, it's funny um, every time I <laughs> so my mom knows a lot about our family history, and she just started. We were talking about Maryland crab soup last night, and then my mom just starts randomly talking about John Littleton the first back in the 1600s and how he came over here with he was given a pair of shoes a shirt, pants, and two containers of corn. And there was nothing after that. I, I, I was waiting for her to tie it in. There was no. I was waiting for her to tie it into Maryland crab soup, and it just it, it didn't get tied in. And my mom is just so wonderfully weird. And yeah. she... um. I feel like most moms kind of have right. that quality. And she's like... I, I'll never forget driving with her. We were going to the pool one day when I was, when I was a kid, and we go over this single lane bridge, and she stops because there's these two cows with their heads hanging over a fence. And she pulls up, like literally, the fence is maybe three feet from the road. So she pulls right up alongside the fence, and she sticks her head out the window, and she looks at the cows, and she goes, Moo, cows! Moo! And that's always stuck with me because it was the first time that I looked at my mom and realized that she had a sense of humor and she <laughs> was weird and like like I said, wonderfully weird. And I'm driving home with my wife last night and I was like, man, my mom is so weird, but I love it. And she goes, she's weird in like the best way. Yeah. You know what I mean? And she like has like all this, I'm a lot like her. I'm a lot more like her than I ever like say out loud. Like we have a very similar sense of humor. We have like ridiculous useless trivia in our heads like i the, the what i can do with movie and song trivia is stupid and, and it, it's completely useless you know what i mean but like my mom and i are very similar in the way our, our brains work and the way that we act and our sense of humor and, and, and it's just so cool and and just she lives 10 to 15 minutes from me and I don't see her nearly enough. I don't talk to her nearly enough. And it's because you you have your own life going on and, yeah. and, and things get in the way. And, but yes, yeah, so like Ryan said, make time. 
for your parents. I just I feel like sometimes we need that reminder, and that's that's why I wanted to talk about that. And I was I was hoping to to tie it in, I guess, a little better or or wrap it up more concisely or coherently. Um, but I, I didn't write any of that. I, I started writing about the Orioles and then thought, you know what, I want to talk about moms because they're so important. I think we take them for granted, and uh, they are crucial parts of our lives. Crucial, as Mark Wahlberg says. Say hello to your mother for me. I just thought it was funny when when you said that. You're, I, like, you're, you're like you're like call call your moms, and it made me immediately made me. It's from, that from Ted. No, it, it's from. I'm not, I don't know much of of Wahlberg. It, there's it's an SNL skit. If you look at oh. Mark Wahlberg, say hello to your mother for me. Um, I think it's Mark Wahlberg himself is like on um, um, uh, Weekend Update, and they have somebody who's who does a Mark Wahlberg impression on the, on the cast and he, and everything he says he he's talking about something he goes hey good to see you say say hello to your mother for me yeah yeah it, it, when you said call your moms it just made me think of that yeah, anyway uh, trying to bring a little bit of a, a little bit of levity there yeah, but yeah. um yeah so very good it, it's nice to you know do a, a sweet thing every now and but, again by the way remember uh, last time I was on the show remember my sounding off was about uh potential home run celebrations for the Orioles mm-hmm. I'm not I, I'm not taking any credit for any of this but I did mention a beer bong you did you did and I was like what are they gonna bong Gatorade yeah you know and like you 100% did so I want some free tickets for Ryan too yeah he's come in, on he's in the Baltimore banner he's on two shows he he came up with the the the, the uh, Homer hose the dong bong before <laughs> anybody else and we scoffed at it you know what I'm gonna do you're gonna come up. You came up with the dong bong. I'm gonna take credit for it and get free tickets for myself. Okay. Th- that's that's what I'm gonna do. That's 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 <laughs> what I'm gonna do. Uh, because I told you that's not gonna happen. That's not. And then sure, sure enough, it did. So I want to be the guy. I want to be the guy. All I want right. to. I want to take credit for it with you. Take it. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. With that in mind, I guess not with that in mind. Sweet transition, Paul. It is time for the payoff pitch around the league. With a three-run home run in the bottom of the eighth, Cedric Mullins became the seventh Orioles player to hit for the cycle, while Kyle Bradish allowed one unearned run over six innings as the Orioles doubled up the Pirates 6-3. to three. Julio Rodriguez tallied three hits, including his seventh home run, while driving in four to lead the Mariners over the Tigers 9-2. to two. Jake Frehley homered twice, including a tie-breaking three-run shot with one out in the top of the ninth to send the Reds past the Marlins 7-4. to four. Josh Lowe smacked a three-run homer in the top of the eighth, but Anthony Rizzo responded with a two-run bomb of his own in the bottom half of the frame, his second homer of the game, to send the Rays home shocked 6-5 to five at the hands of the Yankees. Francisco Lindor drove in three with a bases-loaded single in the sixth to provide all the scoring for the Mets, and the New York bullpen threw four hitless innings to send the Nationals to the showers 3-2. to two. Spencer Strider struck out 12 and allowed two runs, one earned in six and two-thirds innings, but Chris Bassett stole the show with a complete game, two-hit shutout as the Blue Jays took care of the Braves 3 to nothing. It was the second straight scoreless outing for Bassett, who now has an active scoreless inning streak of 20 consecutive innings. Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado combined for seven hits, and Nolan Gorman connected for a two-run homer and a three-run ninth as the Cards took down the Boston Red Sox. I forgot to put the score in there. I think it was 7-4. to four. I could be wrong. Uh, Anthony Rendon had three hits, and Brandon Drury drove in two, including the game Game winner on a sack, uh, the game-winning run on a sack fly in the ninth to lead the Angels past the struggling Guardians five to four. After the baseball world drooled all over Kenley Jansen for a few days, he allowed three runs without retiring a batter in the ninth to blow the save and take the loss. Jordan Alvarez homered and JP France allowed one run over six and two-thirds innings to push the Astros past the White Sox five to one. Owen Miller finished the triple shy of the cycle and Christian Yelich drove in two of the uh, of the break. 
two in the Brewers' 5-1 to one win over the Royals. Corbin Burns struck out seven, but also walked four over six shutout innings to pick up the victory. Drew Smiley allowed two runs over six solid innings, and Christopher Morrell added some insurance with a two-run homer in the ninth as the Cubs slowed down the Twins 6-2. to two. Bryce Harper hit a tie-breaking two-run double and a three-run eighth. Kyle Schwarber homered, and Taiwan Walker picked up his fourth quality start, allowing three runs over six innings in the Phillies' 6-3 victory over the Rockies. The Phillies have won four in a row. Jock Peterson and Michael Conforto homered, but Dominic Fletcher stole the show with three hits, including a home run driving in four to lead the D-backs over the Giants 7-5. In a back-and-forth affair, the Rangers scored two in the top of the 10th, but it was Brent Rooker continuing his monster breakout season, smashing a walk-off three-run homer in the bottom half to lead the A's past the Rangers 9-7. And finally, uh, Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman each homered as the Dodgers took down division rival San Diego 4-2. What do we have on tap this afternoon? This afternoon, 105, the Rays and the Yankees. Shane McClanahan makes his ninth start of the season. He looks like a Cy Young candidate once again this year with a 7-0 record, ERA under 2, 58 strikeouts in 46 innings. Nestor Cortez will take the mound for the Yankees. He has struggled this year to the tune of a 474 ERA and has not thrown a quality start in nearly a month. As an Orioles fan, that makes me kind of happy. Mariners and Tigers at 110. Rookie Bryce Miller for the M's looking to keep up his hot start. He's allowed just five base runners and one earned run. In his first two starts, the Tigers sent Alex Fajardo to the mound for his second start of the year. He got a no decision the first time. Reds at Marlins at 110. The reigning NL Cy Young winner Sandy Alcantara has just one win in a 4.53 ERA on the season. Derek Law for the Reds has pitched primarily in relief this year. He was just recently announced as today's starter for Cincinnati. Cubs and Twins at 210. It's a battle of talented youngsters in Minneapolis as Hayden Wisniewski takes the mound for Chicago and Joe Ryan for the Twins. Both have allowed just two runs over their past two starts, spanning 12 innings apiece. Braves and Blue Jays at 307. Bryce Elder comes in with an ERA under two for the Braves, while his opponent, Jose Barrios, is pushing five runs per game. He's just not who he once was. Mets and Nationals at 405. Joey Lucchese takes the mound for the Mets against Trevor Williams of the Nationals in a battle of two guys I would not be surprised if you told me were no longer in the league. Rangers and Athletics at 407. John Gray takes the bump for Texas. He went seven strong his last time out. The A's are not good, and neither is their starter for today, J.P. Sears. St. Louis Cardinals at Boston Red Sox at 410. It's a battle of veteran lefties as Steven Matz takes on Chris Sale. Matz is still in search of his first win, and Sale has pitched better lately but is still trying to prove that he is not washed up because he has certainly looked that way in two starts against the Orioles this year. Angels and Guardians at 610. Reed Detmers is also in search of his first win on the year. Cal Quantrill has been on a nice run. Seven innings or more in each of his last two starts. He's pitching very well. Royals at Brewers at 710 tonight. 39-year-old Zach Greinke takes on his former team, pitching for his current team, which is also one of his former teams. And Adrian Hauser is making his second start of the year for the Milwaukee Brewers. Padres at Dodgers at 715. It's Joe Musgrove versus Julio Arias. Excuse me, uh, which is a matchup I feel like we've seen 18 times over the past two years. Astros at White Sox, 7-15. Brandon Bielek make his third start of the year, looking to improve upon his 4-15 ERA opposite Dylan Cease, who finished second in AL Cy Young voting last season but has struggled mightily so far in 2023. His ERA is pushing six. Giants at D-backs at 8-10. It'll be two guys with ERAs under three as Anthony Desclafani takes on Zach Gallen. And then Phillies at Rockies rounds out the evening, also at 8-10. No 10 o'clock games tonight, or 9 o'clock for that matter. Ranger Suarez will make his season debut for the Phils, and the Rockies' Ryan Feltner comes in with an ERA over 5. You know, it's crazy. You mentioned Chris Sale um, has looked like a shell of his former self against the Orioles in two starts this year. But you look at um, 
the start against the Orioles back on April 24th. That was a game you and I were at. And um, he didn't strike out a single batter in a he- for the first time in his career in a healthy start. Yeah. But you look at the at the starts before that and the two starts since that. Those other three starts, he has 26 strikeouts. He's had some really good outings. Yeah. He, he it, has. There have been games where the velo has been up and he's looked really good, but he has also had some absolute clunkers. Yeah. He's he's had a, he's had. Five innings, three runs, six innings, one run, six and a third, one run, six innings, three runs. But he's also had three innings, seven runs, four innings, uh, six runs, um, and five innings, five runs. That was that game against the Orioles. The seven-run outing was against the Orioles also, but that was the game that Ryan McKenna dropped the pop-up and the Orioles lost. Uh, we don't need to talk about that. But <laughs> very good. Thank you so much. Today's... Um, the payoff pitch around the league was brought to you by the Toyota Tacoma, which comes in a range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Um, we're going to move right along here into Orioles banter. And Orioles banter today, and I know, I know, Ryan, that we just did a pitching show. But we have to talk about the pitching because it's not just at the major league level right now. Um, you saw Fam at what was it, High A or Double A? Uh, he went five innings, gave up five and a third innings last night, gave up one hit, struck out eleven and one who's, walk. Who's Fam? Fam is a, he's a um, I don't know. He is a prospect in the Orioles system, and he threw five and a third innings of eleven strikeout ball on one hit last night. His for ear, who? I, want, I think it's high A. I think he did it for Aberdeen, but it may have been boo. It's high. It's Aberdeen. He did it for Aberdeen, and he um, he struck out eleven, and his ERA I think is down to one seventy seven, at this point. Really? Yeah, he had a monster outing last night. How have I not heard of this guy? I had never heard of him either. But he's somebody who we need to be paying attention to because he's been off to a phenomenal. So last year, ERA. Um, I think it's just his third professional season. And his ERA prior to this year was like four and a half um, at its best. But I believe he's with Aberdeen. Hold on. This is blowing my mind. Or maybe it was Delmarva. It may have been Delmarva. It's so it's so hard to get to. I have the minor league app on my phone. Yeah. And so, nope, it was definitely Aberdeen. Wow. It, what, great radio. Great radio here. <laughs> let, let, me, Wait, let me. Fam? Fam? Yeah. Like Tommy yep. Fam? Oh, Alex Fam. Alex Fam. Five innings pitch, one hit, um, zero runs. He struck out 11. And it, it's crazy because what he did five innings pitch, one hit, no runs, one walk, 11 strikeouts. ERA drops to 193. And then Verbitsky comes in and gives up six runs on eight hits. Hyde comes, I guess that's how you pronounce it, H E I D. He comes in, gives up three runs um, on three hits in a blown save. And they end up winning the ball game. Nine to no, I'm sorry. They lose the ball game nine to seven after their starting pitcher gives them five shutout innings of one hit ball with eleven strikeouts. Alex Fam, the Orioles' nineteenth round pick in 2021. Mm-hmm. Okay, he's having yeah. a great year. One one ninety three ERA, like you said, thirty four strikeouts in twenty three and a third innings. Now a little a, a few too many walks, twelve in, in those twenty three innings. Uh, not quite the ratio you want, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'll be damned. Yeah, I'll be damned. And then you look at. So let's talk about the Orioles rotation first and foremost, yeah. right? They, they're on a stretch run here over the last seven games where they've allowed three runs or less in all seven starts in five innings or more. Um, we saw Kyle Gibson against the Rays go six innings. We saw Grayson Rodriguez go six innings. We saw Dean Kramer go six go six innings. Uh, did, wait, he went six and two-thirds, didn't he? 
Kramer, I believe, did, yes. Yeah, I, I, it was either six and two-thirds or six and a third. Um, and then Kyle Bradish. I thought Kyle Bradish last night deserved the opportunity to pitch in the seventh inning. He left with a um, having given up one unearned run in six innings, and he was at 89 pitches. I would have liked to have seen him get the opportunity to try and get through the seventh inning last night. But he did what he needed to do, gave the Orioles another strong, quality start. ERA 204, averaging five and two-thirds innings pitched from the starting rotation over the last seven games. And then you look down at the minor league level, and Cole Irvin, what he's done recently, he threw seven innings of uh, two-run ball the other day, and he, in his last three starts, 20 innings pitched, 16 hits, four on runs, two walks, which is, which is important. Just the 13 strikeouts in those th- in those three starts, but his ERA is down to 319. D- um, D.L. Hall, his last start, he went out there, he went six innings, he gave up, what was it, three hits, one run, and struck out nine. And no, it was two runs, and I think it was on a two-run homer. He gave up two hits, two runs, walked one, and struck out nine in six innings. This uh, start following his five innings, three hits, four walks, but eight strikeouts and no runs allowed. His ERA down to 329. He's looking good. Cole Irvin's looking good. The Orioles' rotation is looking good. It's a good problem to have, but you didn't trade for Cole Irvin to have him pitch in your minor league system. You didn't take D.L. Hall, number one overall, send him down to the minors to, get, to build up his innings to have him pitch a triple-A all year. What do you do? Do you keep going with the high? Obviously, they're going to keep going with what they have. You know, Kyle Bradish, we thought, maybe had the shortest leash because he was the one who was the most up and down recently. Dean Kramer's really turned things around over the last couple of starts. You thought maybe he had the shortest leash, and then he goes six innings of uh, allowing one earned run last night against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Again, good problem to have. What do the Orioles do moving forward? First of all, I want to say D.L. Hall's start the other day that he gave up a two-run homer in the sixth inning, which is his final inning of work, to uh, Gerard Encarnacion, who has a lot of swing and miss, but massive power. So that's that's nothing to sneeze at. A great outing from D.L. Hall. I feel like every time we've talked about which Orioles rotation starter, rotation starter, uh, <laughs> which, which Orioles starter is going to be the odd man out at some point, they start to shove. I feel like it's happened every time. Tyler, yeah. Tyler Wells, for a while, we were talking about how maybe he's the odd man out when Kyle Bradish comes back. And then Wells has been a dude. Um, we've thought that maybe Kramer was soon to get optioned after a rough start to the year. Well, his last two outings have been quality starts. He's been a dude. Um, Kyle Bradish has, has started to figure it out. There, there's, it's a, a, certainly a good problem to have, and I know we say that a lot in, in a lot of instances, whether it's the the rotation pitching well or the number of infield prospects or the number of outfield prospects, whatever it is. We say that a lot, but it truly is a good problem to have. I don't know what they do. I, I think they, they stay put for now. Things seem to be clicking at the moment. But at some point, I think you have to get Cole Irvin back onto the roster. At some point, I think you have to give Drew Rahm a fair shake. He was called up and did not pitch, sent back down. And D.L. Hall looks like a guy who needs to be given a shot in the major leagues. He has pitched very well in the majors. His ERA doesn't show it, but his peripheral stats in his big league sample thus far has been very good. The problem is he throws way too many pitches. He came up in relief, gave us three innings in that doubleheader, threw 75 pitches in those three innings. Yeah. He struck out seven. And he only walked one. Up, walked one, gave up two runs, but he's got to get that pitch count down if he wants a legitimate role. I could see them bringing him up as kind of a long man, maybe a swing man type, but... 
the Orioles have a lot of guys right now who deserve an opportunity. And right now, the five on the big league roster have been great lately. And so I think you keep it as is for now until you have to make a move. Yeah, uh, I, I, I don't disagree with you. You can't say, oh, you guys have been pitching really well, but so are these guys in the minor leagues. We're going to re- we're gonna replace you. Um, now, look, are they going to trade Kyle Gibson at the deadline? Maybe. Are they going to are they going to package Cole Irvin in a deal for, you know, an ace or middle of the order bat? Maybe. What if they traded Cole Irvin and like um I don't know, if they if they traded Cole Irvin and say Cesar Prieto to back to the Athletics <laughs> for Brent Rooker. Oh, wow. You know, like that's I, interesting. I think that the Athletics Rooker is, has been He's been unfreaking believable. We, we thought it was he. He comes into Camden Yards and hits, I think, three homers in that four game series. Mm-hmm. He crushed. And we're him. like, who is this guy? Why is Why is Brent Rooker the guy who's killing us? Well, he's killing everybody. He leads baseball in OPS by a lot. Yeah, he's killing everybody. He is has been. Um, I think he hit his twelfth home run last night. Yeah, so, it, it, and it was a walk off homer. The yeah. game that he got that he got thrown out of last week. Um, against against Detroit, was it Detroit? Yeah, no, it was against Kansas City. Kansas City was playing the A's. The A's had a like a four run lead or something like that going into the ninth inning. Rooker was a triple away from the cycle or a double or something like that, and he got called out on strike three. He argued balls and strikes. He got tossed from the game, but he was three for four, three for five in that game with a home run. Like the the guy's been an absolute monster. Former first round pick who's finally putting it together. I think in his third in his third big league season, and I would imagine. The A's are going to be moving. To, are going to be moving to uh, uh, Vegas in the next couple of years. I would imagine that that's a guy you want to build around. You're not just going to give him away. I don't know that Cole Irvin and um, uh, Cesar Prieto would get it done, but I can't think of another bad team with a bat that I want. You know what I mean? And and honestly, I think that the Orioles. I think their pitching is going to be strong for, for most of this year. I'm not really worried about their about their starting pitching. I'm not worried at all about their bullpen. Their offense can go dormant at times. And yeah, they're seventh in the majors in runs scored, and I think like sixth in runs per game or whatever it is. Um, and their OPS is good. Their on base percentage is good. They've got some decent power, but they're inconsistent. And I think what they're really missing is that legitimate threat in the middle of their order. That guy who people just do not want to pitch to. Ryan Mountcastle has a lot of extra base hits, a, a good amount of home runs and runs driven in this year. Um, but you take away his nine RBI game, and his RBI total doesn't look so great. And he doesn't walk nearly enough. People aren't afraid to pitch to Ryan Mountcastle because he's still prone to chase a slider that's low and away. And you want that guy in the middle of your order that's going to impose fear. Any other team, they're like, you know what? I'd rather pitch to Ryan Mountcastle. Let me put this guy on base, and that Mountcastle makes you pay because now you're trying to throw strikes to get him out. You know, uh, t- to me, a Brent Rooker fits that mold, but he's young, he's talented, and he's going to cost an arm and a leg for the A's to part with him. It's just a pipe dream. You know what I mean? But th- they're not taking Cole Irvin back yet. Yeah. Do, do you? Daryl Hernandez, by the way, hitting very well for. I think he's in double, double a. a with them. Yeah. yeah, he's he's hitting well. And but, Kyle Verbitsky, who was the other piece that came over here. In that trade, the other piece, sixteen and two thirds innings at uh, Aberdeen, twenty two earned runs, eleven eighty eight ERA. He gave up uh, six runs yesterday in relief in on eight hits, or was it seven? It was six or seven. Uh, he came in through three innings in relief and he got absolutely shelled last night. Yeah. But um, but yeah, man, uh, the, the, I think that the Orioles need a middle of the order bat. They have all the starting pitching. Um, I don't know. Uh, 
do you really want to trade Kyle Gibson? Uh, no, I don't. Uh, I, right. I like Kyle Gibson a lot. He's, I, I think he's the perfect Jordan Lyles replacement. He, when I see Kyle Gibson, dude, he loves being here. I, he absolutely does. I think of you when I really? see Kyle Gibson. He, like physically, it, uh, but like he's six foot six, which I had <laughs> five I, eight on a good day. Yeah, like I when uh, when when I see him, I think Ryan Blake. I had no idea he was six foot six until I saw him looking like Gumby walking out to the mound on on Monday night. Yeah, but he one hundred percent to me is like I'm like that. He looks like Ryan Blake. By if way, you were we a say, foot we, taller, we, we talked about this on uh, on our show. And if you if you want some legitimate breakdown of the Orioles pitching rotation, we had Alex Fast, the pitcher list, he was on, awesome. on our show the other day. Give that fan a podcast. His his insight was so so good. He was he was. I forgot uh, I was hosting a couple times. I thought I was just getting a, te- a pitching lesson. I fanboyed out. Yeah. Uh, there were a couple times where I sat there and again forgot I was hosting. I was just listening to the guys talk. This guy talk about Felix Bautista's fastball, and I was yeah. like. Sorry, I didn't. I didn't mean to just randomly plug no, our show, no, but uh, that's genuinely a, a great listen if you're you're interested in his breakdown of we we, we went through just about every pitcher yeah. on the big league roster and a few in the minors. I had to leave the show early because I forgot to tell my wife that we were doing a podcast that night, and I came home after an event, so I didn't get home till seven thirty, seven forty, and she was expecting to have dinner and spend time with me, and then I immediately go upstairs and do a podcast till after nine o'clock. Um, I couldn't stick around any long. Did you guys talk about Gunnar Henderson and about him going down? Like potentially, he, he. So I asked him if he was if he were Mike Elias. He he has three moves to make over the next month. What would he do? And he didn't want to say it. He like struggled to get it out. But he said option Gunnar Henderson and call up Jordan Westberg. Yeah, well, I I said the same thing yeah. last week, and it's, and it's not because I don't believe in Gunnar Henderson. I th- and he's been stinging the ball recently, and he's, he's had some hard luck outs. Like, we thought that that was a double to, to, to in his first at-bat. Yeah, it was 108.4 off the bat, I think. Yeah, he, he absolutely smoked it, but right at the center fielder. Yeah. He's putting some better swings on the ball, so you think that maybe he's about to break out of it here, but he's going to be playing third base every day until Arias comes back, but he's got to start hitting. Yeah. He's got, I, yeah, I understand that it's still early, and, and he's he will. still so young, and, and, and he will. But maybe you jumpstart that a little bit by saying, hey, man, let's get you back down to AAA. Let's let you dominate the pitching down there. Get your confidence back. Because this isn't a matter of talent or ability. This is a matter of what's going on between the ears. Yeah. You know? And it, I can, it, I, he, goes up, he looks like he's guessing most of the time. Yeah. He doesn't look like he goes up to the plate with a plan except try to take pitches. Yes. Yeah, sw- uh, and, and then because of that, he takes too many that are in the zone. He does, and, and sometimes I think it's counterproductive to, for like what Brandon Hyde said to, to you know be more aggressive, you know change your approach a little bit. But at the same time, it's like you're waiting for your pitch and you might not get it, so you have to be able to do something. Yeah, you know, and the guy's hitting what one seventy four. Yeah, and right he's, now. St- he's still got a three forty something on base percentage. Mm-hmm. He's got he, a positive could, WAR. Yeah, and, but he could be a legitimate like four ten on base guy. He he very much could be. By the way, I, you you had to leave that show early. I, I saw Laura posted that salmon pasta on her Instagram story. Dude, I, I already felt bad that I took you away from dinner with your wife. After I saw the picture of that pasta, I felt even worse because that looked unbelievable. Dude, reheated. It was still incredible. Good, good. Oh, my God. I like. I literally, I ate it. I took one bite, and I like did the slow turn. I, I pulled one of these. I went, <laughs> this is incredible. 
And then like I I, I polished it off in about forty seven seconds. It yeah, was dude, so it, looked, it was so freaking good. It I was like money. The, I love salmon. I love pasta. I've never had them together, but now she, I'm going to. Oh, dude, she makes she makes stuff like that all the time. Like she does like Hello Fresh and like Home Chef and stuff like that. And they yeah. send the stuff to her, and she just follows the recipe. And she I follow the recipe, and it tastes like a polished turd. Was she, that was she, that a Hello Fresh? That was a Home Chef. I believe okay. it's because we get HelloFresh too. I've never seen something like that. They they have it, man. Just okay. just look for it. Like she does a lot of seafood pastas because we're not eating meat right now. Okay. I'm not eating meat right yeah, now because yeah. um, I want my body to feel better. And whenever I start scarfing down meat again, I start to feel worse. Yeah. Um. It it, it works, folks. I'm telling you, if if you want to, um, if you're having like lower back pain, joint pain, you feel a lot of inflammation, and you're eating a lot of meat, give up meat for a week, and I guarantee you, you're gonna start to feel better. Every time my lower back starts to hurt. I'll give up meat for a little bit, and it goes right back. And I'm on. I'm in it for the long haul right now. Like I don't miss meat. I don't really crave it. Sometimes I see like fried chicken, and I'm like, man, I really want that because I love, I love fried chicken. I love fried chicken, Ryan. Like I can't get enough of it, but I won't let myself eat it right now. It's so bad yeah. for you in so many different ways. Oh yeah. Except Royal Farms. Royal Farms fried chicken is the best, and I will break my meat fast to eat some Royal Farms chicken. I will break my meat fast. <laughs> to go eat some Royal Farms chicken. So get out there and eat some Royal Farms chicken. Um, but yeah, man, um, it was freaking phenomenal. She put It was made with this rub that made the top of it just the right amount of crispy. Oh, my God. It was so good. The, you just remind me. I want, I want, like, I'm just going to tell her, order that three times a week. Yeah, order that, order that, and we'll cook that. And it'll be. She has to cook it. I'm going to screw it up. Like I said, yeah. what I cook is a polished turd. What she cooks is just immaculate. But anyway... Where were we? The Break pitching. your meat fast. Break your meat fast. Um, yeah, we were um, talking about the Orioles pitching. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. And Sorry. I... No, quite all right. D.L. Hall, I think, is going to be a legitimate starting pitcher. I, and, uh, you know, if we had gotten Stan on, I, I had D.L. Hall in my original notes, and then I took it out because Stan is so adamant that D.L. Hall is going to be a back-end reliever. Um, and, like, I didn't want to fight with him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Cole Irvin, he didn't get traded here to not to not pitch at the big league level. So you're finding yourself in a situation where ultimately do we think Tyler Wells goes back to the bullpen? You asked Alex that on our show the other day. Yeah. Um, I, I think that, you know, his per- peripherals, as you uh, mentioned, um, suggest that he's going to that he's better suited to be a reliever. Yeah. Um, but he's big and he throws strikes. He doesn't walk dudes and he gets outs. And, and that's that's what you need right now. His ERA, I think he's down to like three fifteen. Yeah. Um that's exactly what it is. He's He's been really good. Yeah. He might be their best starting pitcher right now, but and he leads leads all of baseball in WHIP too. Does he really? Yeah, that's insane. It's that, like it's still like point oh seven eight, I think. Eduardo that, Rodriguez is like point oh one behind him, I think. Yeah, it's Eduardo Rodriguez is having a crazy season. Oh, he's yeah. been he's been so damn good. Uh, for another more, another guy who dominated against the Orioles, and we were like, you know, this guy again. But turns out he's Legit. really solid right now. Yeah, you know, whatever he did last year to get his head right. It seems to be working because he's he looks like a like he's always been good. He looks like a completely different dude to me right now. Like he he looks like one of the best pitchers in the game right he, now. He's not giving up anything and he's striking out everybody. Yeah, he's been absolutely dominant yeah. lately. And that's what the, that's what the the Tigers um but paid for. Andrew Miller was very good for the 2014 Orioles. That was still a good trade. I will hang my hat on that. Take it to my grave. It was a good trade, you know. And was it though? You got yeah. two months out of Andrew Miller. Yeah, you didn't go to the World Series, and yeah. then he left and, and signed and signed with the Yankees, and he 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 left and and signed with the Yankees, and it just ended up being uh being a situation where 
you know, he was brought in here to do one thing. He did his job very well, and they didn't go to the World Series. So, I, I still, I still think that it gave the Orioles their best shot to go to the World Series that year. They ran into a, an incredibly lucky Royals team. They lost four games by a total of six runs. I, I think that's a move you make every time. And if the Orioles, do, and I, obviously, it looks better if the Orioles do win the World Series that year. Yeah, but Eduardo Rodriguez. He he had one good year. He won like 19 games with the Red Sox, mm-hmm. but he wasn't great. He just got a lot of wins. He's never been a dominant pitcher. He's never been the guy he is right now. It's not like it's not like the Jake Arrieta situation where he goes out and wins a Cy Young. Eduardo Rodriguez is probably never going to win a Cy Young. He's not that good of a pitcher. He's just on a hot stretch right now. I still think you make that trade 10 times out of 10 if you're the 2014 Orioles. Well, I mean. He's got a 2.4 war, and his ERA is sub-2 right now. Like you said, he's striking out everybody. So let's let's look at him. His first year in Boston as a full-time starter in 2015, 21 starts, 10-6 and six with a 3.85 ERA. Um, in 2018, he was 13-5 and five with a 3.82. In 2019, he was 19-6 with a 3.81. I mean, he's been, he's been a... Then you look at 4.71, 4.19, 4.74, 4.05. His other ERAs. He's been... He's, Kind of like um, Rick Porcello. Yeah. You remember Rick Porcello? And like he had like some, he had a really good year. And then he was really, really bad. And then he was mediocre. And then he goes to Boston and he wins a Cy Young. And then he was never good again. And it, it's like that, that up and down type of thing. Yeah. Where it's like some years he's really good, some years he's just average. And look, yeah. I, don't, I don't consider 385, 382, 381 really, really good, but it's good. Yeah. It's no, good. He's, been, he's been fine. He's, I, would, I would love to have him in the Orioles rotation. But I don't think he's that much of a difference maker that you don't trade for a guy who at the time was one of the most dominant relievers in baseball. The Orioles needed a lefty in the back end of that bullpen, and he was nails down and, the stretch. Yeah, he, he was absolutely fantastic. And look, you got to give up something to get something. They thought Eduardo Rodriguez might be something like what he is right now, but they weren't positive. He was a prospect who was still two years away from it, who was still a year away from making his big league debut. And you got Andrew Miller, who was absolutely filthy. Now we can talk till we're blue in the face about whether or not the Orioles should have extended uh, Andrew Miller. They didn't. He signs a big time contract with the Yankees, then he goes to the Cardinals. He had a really nice career. Two months of it was spent in Baltimore. Yeah. You don't win the World Series with it. Eduardo Rodriguez looks like the front runner for Cy Young in the American League this year. And he may never he may not win it. He may never win one. He may go his next five starts pitching to an eight ERA. We have no idea. But right now, I would love to uh, look. I, I'm not gonna sit here and tell you it was a bad trade. I'm not gonna sit here and tell you it was a bad trade. But you know, hindsight's 2020. At the time, it made sense. It did what the Orioles needed. It helped them win that win their win the division for the first time in 15 years or 17 years, and get them into the playoffs. And they were they were four wins away, six runs away, really, from yeah. making it to the World Series. It just didn't work out. So it's you, damned if you do, you're damned if you don't, right? Mm-hmm. You know, absolutely. so just just one of those things. But you know, the Orioles this year, their pitching staff, their bullpen is absolutely phenomenal. And we're talking about we started talking about Eduardo Rodriguez because we were talking about Tyler Wells's whip, yeah, and whether or not you can justify moving him into the bullpen if you have to. But do you need to? Because he's a back end reliever, right? Maybe he's a long reliever. Maybe that's how you want to use him. Awesome, both started to look better until he started to look bad again. His last two outings haven't been great. Um, you're not putting them in the back end because you got the Rock and the Mountain back there, and they're dominating right now. And Felix Bautista, that was, we'll talk about him in a second. It was so nice to see him get back to being Felix Bautista last night. Yeah. 
Um, Yannick Cano might be the best reliever in baseball, and one, oh, of, the, one, one of the best stories in baseball. He's his, his start to this year is historically good. It's yeah. historically good. Um, lowest lowest whip across any fourteen outing stretch. Minimum, I think, fifty batters retired. Yeah, in the history of the modern era of baseball. Yeah, it's been absolutely insane, and the the fact that he was he could not stop walking guys last year. That yeah. was his big problem. That's why he was thrown. That's why he was. They were so willing to part with him in for Jorge Lopez last year. Let's 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 get to Cano in a second because I, I, I do still want to talk about Tyler Wells. Yeah. Um, I you're not putting him in the back end because Felix and Cano are back there. I would. I think this this Orioles roster is significantly better if you put Tyler Wells in the Austin Voth role. Yeah. Oh, I, I 100% agree. Yeah. 100% agree. I'm, I I would be fine being done with both. Give someone like Cole Irvin another shot in the rotation, or DL Hall, or Drew Rahm, or hell, I, I think Spencer Watkins has been fine. I, no. I don't think he's nope. the answer. But no. look, you take that name out of that out of that conversation. I didn't want to bring him up. I really didn't. But I don't. I don't yet, even know. I don't are. know. I don't know what his numbers are at AAA this year. But all that's to say, we we talked probably twenty minutes ago about how the Orioles have a lot of guys who have made a case to get legitimate run in the rotation. And I do think, despite how Tyler Wells has pitched, I think he's a versatile a, a versatile arm to have on the roster where you can start him, you can put him in relief, you can have him go an inning, you can have him go five innings of no-hit ball when Kyle Bradish gets hit in the ankle. I think that's a very valuable piece to have. And whether or not he's starting every fifth day, I, I think you have to continue giving him a shot until he proves he can't handle it. Well, y- yeah. And see, and this is the thing I've been thinking about, though. Like you said, this team is so much better with Wells in the bullpen. And I like Tyler Wells, and I like him as a starter. Yeah, me too. I would, I would love to. I would love to see. Um, I would love to see him in long relief with Cole Irvin or DL Hall in this rotation. Me too. And that way. You know, when you need to bring in Tyler Wells for the say, say that I don't know. Let's say Kyle Gibson goes out there like he had his start against Detroit a couple of starts ago, and he he just couldn't put the ball over the plate, and they just smashed him. And he's done in four innings; he's given up six runs. And then you bring in Tyler Wells; he pitches the fourth, fifth, sixth innings. He gives up nothing, gives your offense a, t- a chance to get back in the game. That makes your team better. Yeah. And then you look at um, you look at um, what the rest of the rotation is doing. You look at what the rest of your bullpen's doing. Your offense seems to get you back in the games on a nightly basis. They, they're never out of any game. There hasn't been a game this year. There was the one game against Boston where they were down like 8-1 to one going into the uh, ninth inning, and then they scored five runs, and it's 8-6, to six, and you're like, oh my God, they're a batter away from being able to tie this game. And so even that game, that may have been the game they, they were out of the most, and they still weren't out of it. Yeah. You know, if you have a guy where when your starting pitcher falls apart early, and he can come in and he can sh- he can calm everything down, shut down the other team, give your offense a chance to swing it and get back into things, that makes your team that much better. And I agree with you in that sense. But again, lowest whip in baseball. That's the thing. It sounds ridiculous to say the guy with the three fifteen ERA on the the staff that has a five ERA should be moved to the bullpen. It sounds ridiculous. I get that. I think another benefit to having Wells moved into that kind of role 
Grayson Rodriguez is going to be on some kind of innings limit. I don't think we know exactly what it is. He's not going to continue starting every fifth day the rest of the year. A guy like Wells can help spell that a little bit, maybe give Grayson a, a start where he's scheduled to go two innings, throw 35 pitches, no more. Mm-hmm. And then Wells comes in and is your, your workhorse for the day. I, I think that's another benefit to a guy like Wells as opposed to an Austin Voth in that long man role in the bullpen. Even uh, That's a role that Drew Rahm, I think, could fit as well. We, we haven't seen what he can do at the big league level, but I, I think you know at a certain point, you have to put your best guys there, and Austin Voth right now is not one of your best guys. He isn't. He absolutely isn't. And then, and and say you want to you want to get DL Hall's arm into your rotation, and so you give him Tyler Wells a spot, and then you know he's going four innings, he's striking out seven guys, but he's walking four, and he's giving up four hits, a lot of traffic, maybe gives up a run or two, and then you bring in Tyler Wells to back him up, and then to kind of settle things down. That is so valuable. Yeah. It is so absolutely valuable, and it maybe and it gets you an opportunity to put D.L. Hall in your rotation and see what he can do. Because I think we can all agree that when D.L. Hall is at, is at his best, he might be the best pitcher in the organization. Oh, he's a stud. He's yeah. an absolute stud. You know, And as much as you love Tyler Wells, D.L. Hall is a former first-round pick that you that is has the talent to be an elite-level pitcher. And if you if you want to give him every opportunity to prove that he can do that at the big league level, I I think he's damn near ready. Yeah, you know, um, his last two starts have, have shown that. They, they've been and really at, good. At some point, you accept that a guy struggles with with command sometimes. Dylan Cease led the American League in walks last year. Yeah, and he was second in strikeouts, and he finished second in AL Cy Young voting. Yeah, at some point, you accept a player's flaws. You, no one's going to be perfect. Grayson might be a, a guy who struggles with command. D.L. Hall might, might be a guy who struggles with command. He has been throughout his minor league career. But you take the good, and you, you work with that, and you accept it, and you appreciate what he can do for you. You don't, you don't look at the one thing he can't do well and say, well, he doesn't, he doesn't deserve a shot. I think, um, I think if you... So D.L. Hall, it's important to note that before his, his, start, uh, his start, his relief appearance... As a twenty seventh man against the um, against the what was it the Royals, the uh, Tigers against against the Tigers. Yeah. Dean Kramer made the start. He wasn't great. DL Hall came in and he he threw the last several innings of the game. It was three innings. He struck out seven, walked one, but he gave up two runs. Right, two, I think he gave up two long solo home runs. He said before that game that his first several outings it w- it wasn't about results. It was about getting extended, getting his pitch count up, getting his innings number up. He said now he's in the position where he's extended, he's ready to go, and now it's about results. In his two starts since saying that, he's given up two runs in 11 innings, and he struck out 17. Mm. Like He has been he, – he, he, now he's, he's showing the results. If he has two or three more starts like he's just had back-to-back, if he has now, – now you have a handful sample size of starts of him – going out there and striking out a ton of guys, giving up very few runs. Maybe he's going to walk three or four guys every now and again, but he's going to go out there and he's going to dominate. He's going to force the Orioles' hand. He's going to put them in a position where they're like, you know what? What Ryan and Paul are saying is right. Tyler Wells should be is the guy who who goes into our bullpen in long relief and makes us that much better. D.L. Hall is the guy we put in the rotation. But, man, it's also like... I keep coming back to how good Wells has been. Yeah, that's the thing. That's it's why it's so hard. Difficult. That's why it's hard to say he should be moved to the bullpen because based on his numbers, he shouldn't be. But we talked about his peripheral stats. His his expected ERA is a run higher than his actual ERA. His his FIP is like four ninety five right now. That's mm-hmm. that's not good. He's been very good at limiting damage, but he's not. 
he's not an ace. He's not a. He's not. He's probably not a, a three or a four. He's he's a decent five, mm-hmm. and he's on a really good stretch right now. But, but he was also on a really good stretch last year. Yes. And, and then he got hurt. Yeah, and you have to also have to remember that his health history isn't great. And you have to remember that when he was a, a in his first season with the Orioles in 2021 as the Rule Five pick, he thrived in the bullpen. Yep. He he was a, a rookie who had never pitched above a ball before, who was closing games for the Orioles by the end of the season. Yeah, he is. He's he's the perfect flexible arm to have on your roster. Yeah, he can he can do whatever you ask him to do, and he's always going to be prepared, and he's going to do it well for you. Yeah, well, we're going to see how the Orioles decide to move forward with that. Um, it certainly is going to be. Um Interesting to see how they handle things because you, when you have guys that are pitching that well at the minor league level that are proving that they shouldn't be down there, you got to make a move. You got to figure something out to get them up here. But when your rotation's pitching well, and you know maybe they're not going to pitch to a two hundred four ERA the rest of the year, but I don't think they're pitch to a five hundred eight ERA the rest of the year either. These things, we were talking about the bullpen the same way a few weeks back, and these things have a tendency to, to work themselves out. It's going to work itself out. And we're going to see the the best starting five options are going to be in the major leagues for the Orioles. Th- that's what's going to happen. We'll see how how it plays out. I, I don't know why I even brought up the name Spencer Watkins. He just it, it just popped into my head. Four fifteen ERA, four eighty five expected ERA. Or I'm sorry, uh, in, in the minors. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's um four, yeah. He's oh, depth. He's depth. Thirteen innings though. Has he been hurt? Um, maybe. Yeah. Huh. Uh, Maybe um, he's depth, man. He, he yeah, might he it, he might be hurt. I I honestly have no idea. Um, I usually sing this. I'm not gonna sing it. No, sing it. Oh, say have you seen all of Maryland's minor league baseball parks? Pressbox is giving you the chance to check out all of them this summer. Head over to pressboxonline.com/contest now and sign up to win. Four tickets to each of the local minor league baseball teams, one easy pass Maryland on-the-go transponder preloaded with $25, and a $50 gas card for Royal F- from Royal Farms to help you get around. You must be 18 or older to enter, and the sweepstakes end June 14th. So get over to PressBoxOnline.com contest right now to sign up. Orioles banter today has been brought to you by PressBoxOnline.com offers. Baseball season is here. And for the first time in history, you can bet from your phone in Maryland. Go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers for the best sportsbook offers and incentives so you can start winning today. Get five-second chance bets at PointsBet when you deposit and bet your first $50. Just go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers to claim your incentive. When we come back in, Bob Haney from 105.7 The Fan joins the program. That's next on The Bet Around. What air conditioning company can save 50% of your energy cost and qualify you for up to $7,500 in rebates? A.J. Michaels. We do more, we do it better for less. In Baltimore and Annapolis, ajmichaels.com. Costas Inn has been serving up delicious steamed crabs for over 50 years. Lately, the crabs you want to eat when the weather warms up have gotten harder and harder to get. So get your crab-eating game plan in place. Make sure to stick this number on your fridge, 410-477-1975. Call ahead and reserve the size crabs you want. You may be able to walk in, but you may also be disappointed at the size or maybe even get shut out altogether. So call ahead, have a plan, and then arrive on your crab-eating vacation. Costas also has delicious crab soup and crab cakes. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. For more than 50 years, they've been satisfying crab lovers in and around Baltimore. 
The All-America Senior Game, powered by New Balance, will be back at Johns Hopkins Homewood Field on July 29th. The most decorated girls and boys lacrosse players in the country have been invited to play in what is the premier lacrosse event of the year. Every college coach wants their players in this game, and if you dream of being in this game, you start by trying out for one of your regional underclass teams this summer. The best against the best. Get your tickets now at allamericalacrosse.com. Are you a diehard O's fan looking for the perfect way to show your team spirit? Look no further than Birdland Sports. Birdland Sports is a small business run by fans for fans. They offer a wide variety of unofficial O's merchandise from the Birds Are Coming tees to player cartoon shirts and more. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. So head to BirdlandSports.com and grab your gear today. Show your support for the Birds with Birdland Sports. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. I'm Griffin Bass, and I have the extraordinary, mind-blowing, and life-affirming pleasure of being the new producer for the absolute funniest, smartest, and most handsome sports host in all of Baltimore. Wait a second. Glenn, I'm working for you, not Jeremy Kahn. If you're not listening to Glenn Clark Radio, here's what you're missing. He's Coach Kevin Willard. Glenn, thanks for having me. Baltimore Ravens wide receiver, Rashad Bateman. Thank you, I appreciate it. He is outfielder Cedric Mullins. Thank you guys for having me. Mr. Marcus Williams, who's now with us. Man, I appreciate it. Happy to be on. Ravens kicker Justin Tucker. Thanks for having me. Adley Rutschman. Absolutely, thanks for having me on. John Angelos. Thanks a lot, good to be with you. Ryan Mountcastle. Thanks for having me on, guys. Marlon Humphrey. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Talia Tungavailoa. Thank you guys for having me. He is J.K. Dobbins. Thank you for having me, I had a great time. The great. Ray Lewis. Always good to be home. He is Mr. Cal Ripken Jr. Good chatting with you. Watch Glenn Clark Radio at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and listen live at pressboxonline.com slash radio or anytime on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Bat Around. Paul asked me to talk about anything when we come back, and so I will do that. I want to give a shout-out to the gentleman who sat behind my father and I on Wednesday night at the game, who, when Cedric Mullins grounded out to second base, blurted out if he could just learn how to hit about Cedric Mullins. And then Mullins comes out the uh, very next Orioles game and hits for the cycle, the seventh in Orioles history. He had the first 30-30 season in franchise history just two years ago. But if he could just learn how to hit. Some some people, Paul, just love hearing themselves talk. And this gentleman behind us at the game ended up be he was he was nice to us at the end of the game. The Orioles won, but I got into it with him a little bit because he was complaining loudly about little things that didn't make sense all game. And then Wander Franco hits an RBI single in the eighth inning off of, I believe it was. Oh, I don't know. Maybe it was Bauman. I don't remember who was pitching. But Coulomb was up in the bullpen. And uh, this guy was yelling out about how angry he was that Hyde didn't bring in a lefty to face the lefty. Juan Franco is a switch hitter. If you don't know baseball, don't talk so loud at the games. Maybe. I don't know. So I told him that Franco was a switch hitter who hits very well from the right he was like, well, he hit well from the left there. I'm like, yeah, he's Wander Franco, dude. He was the top prospect in baseball for three years in a row. That guy's going to hurt you every once in a while. And he's been very good this year. 
finally coming into his own. Uh, and he was also yelling for everybody to bunt. He wanted everybody to bunt. It was first and third with one out. He was yelling at Adam Frazier to steal home at one point. Uh, he wanted Austin Hayes to drop a bunt down the first baseline. He wanted Jorge Mateo to drop a bunt down the first baseline, which is fine. Mateo, I, I'm fine with wanting him to bunt. But, man, it was I, – I swear, some people just enjoy hearing themselves talk, and they want the people around them. And my defense in that situation is to just – respond not at them but loudly enough that the people around me who I know also don't like this person think I'm the funny one and I kind of enjoy that yeah if you don't know the game like I I, I have people uh, who was it somebody last week was saying or two weeks ago they were like they should send Vavra down and call up Stowers and I'm like they sent Vavra down like last week, and <laughs> and Stowers is, has been up here since then. Yeah, uh, it, maybe sit this one out. You know maybe, what I mean? If, yeah. if 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 you're not paying attention, maybe maybe he's also yelling that that uh, Bautista couldn't pitch. He had just thrown like thirty pitches the night before in a a save that he came in in the eighth inning, and got a guy, and then walked two in the ninth. So he's like, "Why isn't Cano your eighth inning man out there?" Well, Cano only threw eighteen pitches last night, so he's your closer tonight with Bautista unavailable. He's like, mm-hmm. "Oh, you're six eight. Your six eight reliever can't come in and throw two days in a row with an off day tomorrow. Well, his arm's about to fall off. Yeah, he's thrown so much, and then we get to Cano and he shuts you know three up three down in the ninth. Game over, and suddenly he's a nice guy. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Right. It, it's it, it's funny how things work out like that. Now, somebody who's always paying attention, who probably knows more about Orioles baseball. He's probably forgotten more about Orioles baseball than a guy even like me has ever known. Uh, he is from 1057 The Fan. He is Bob Haney. Bob, it's Paul. It's Ryan. Thanks for joining us on the Bat Around this morning. Bob, do we got you? Live. Bob, I'm Hello, sorry. boys. Hey, I'm sorry about that. I hit I hit the wrong button. I haven't run the soundboard in a while, and I forgot <laughs> that we switched the phone line from five to six. So, good morning. We'll start we'll start this over. Thanks for joining us on the Battle Round. It's Paul. It I is appreciate Ryan. it. Um, welcome so to the Paul show, Paul and Ryan. Yes, sir. Now, Zach is usually our normal co-host. He's usually the guy running the soundboard and not screwing things up. Um, I'm in the wrong chair today. That's for sure. Um, Bob. Were you able to, to watch this game last night? I, I'm sure you watch every game. Cedric Mullins comes up in the eighth inning, hits that home run to get the cycle, give the Orioles cushion to go get that victory last night. How impressive is it for a player to come up needing a home run for the cycle and then do it? Well, I have to plead ignorance, guys, because I was actually out uh, having dinner with my wife, and the game was on. We were paying attention, and when Mullins came up, I was actually just hoping that the Orioles would uh, – get the advantage of the game. Uh, I'm at Maryland Live Casino, by the way, so I apologize for any uh, outside noise. I'm losing money. But um, (laughs) when he hit the home run, it was great. Uh, And I was thinking, hey, this is awesome. The Orioles taking the lead. They're going to win. And then he comes out, does the curtain call, and then uh, the uh, my buddy, or my cousin actually, was like, he just hit for the cycle. So i got to be honest, I didn't even know that he was about to accomplish that feat. But for him to do it, to answer your question, obviously – he even said after the game that he kind of knew that the the scenario was that. But for him to do it, uh, I mean, it's, it's as awesome as you can get. So not only are you, what, the seventh Oriole to ever accomplish the feat, sure. the home run actually won the game for them on top of it. Yeah, it was an impressive outing for Cedric for sure. He comes up in that big situation. Uh, and like you said, they needed every bit of that home run because they, they ended up both came in and gave up a run before the mountain comes in and probably has his best game in about – 
three weeks. Uh, really shuts down the side, strikes out the side to, to earn the save. Lost in all of this, Bob, is Kyle Bradish went out there and just shoved last night. I got to be honest. I watched him face the first batter. He walks the leadoff hitter uh, on five pitches, and I think to myself, oh, God, we got, we got bad Kyle Bradish again tonight. And then he doesn't walk another batter the rest of the game. He allows one unearned run on some shoddy Jorge Mateo defense in the third inning. Was And I guess you didn't get to see much of it, but when you look at, uh, at Kyle Bradish, you look at how much the um, the Pirates are struggling. Do you think it's more so Kyle Bradish was really good last night, or is it that the Pirates are just struggling that bad, losers of 10 of 11? Well, I'll defer to Bradish, uh, you know, finding his footing, because he pitched well last Saturday against Atlanta. And it kind of it adds to this string of quality starts. And I know by definition, quality starts, six innings, three runs, blah, blah, blah. But going back to Kramer in the opener against the Braves, they've been putting together stringing some uh, efforts that keep them in ball games. I know the offense has been tepid at times. That's why they lost three in a row, what, two for 29, uh, with runners in scoring position during that stretch. But I think the starting pitching, is it going to be elite no, is it going to be competitive enough to keep you in games? I think we've seen that over the last week, and we've seen Braddish, the potential for greatness is there. Wells is going today. He's outstanding. Kramer's put together back-to-back quality starts. We know Grayson Rodriguez's ceiling is uh, unlimited. So, and Cole Irvin's down on the farm, and D.L. Hall's ready to come up. Zimmerman's pitching well at Norfolk. I think they have a... They have a plethora of arms. I'm not saying they're the 71 Orioles by any stretch of the imagination, but I think this starting rotation, even though the season, what's it, over five, I believe, starting rotation ERA, I think they've stabilized themselves a little bit. And, you know, Bradish was great last night. Yeah, now, Steve Phillips gained a lot of – a lot of headspace in Baltimore over the last couple of days uh, when he was on one of his shows talking about how the Orioles have the second best record in the American League, but they're not the second best team in the American League. They're going to be lucky to get the third wild card spot when it's all said and done. And he pointed to the fact that he said, A, they've won games they didn't deserve to win. I don't know what the hell that means. Um, and then right. he, and he, but he also said that the starting rotation has an ERA of 508. Um, you, but then you look at it. They're, they're averaging five and two-thirds innings pitch per start the last seven games, a 2.04 ERA out of that rotation. This is after they got brutalized by Detroit a little bit. They got brutalized a lot of it by, um, by the Kansas City Royals. And, you know, the, the Oakland Athletics even torched them a good bit earlier this year. Is there something to be said for rising to the occasion, rising to the occasion and pitching to the level of your competition for why this rotation has stepped up the last week? Well, they went up against Atlanta, Tampa, the what? I guess analytically, well, Tampa, run production-wise, proven best offensive team in baseball. The Braves are among the best, if not the best, in the National League. I mean, what more do you need to do? And, yeah, the Pirates are struggling, but going into last night, they were a first-place ball club, so you handle your business accordingly. And to your point, Ryan, what the hell does you don't deserve the win? What does that mean? It's like they just handed you the win, the baseball gods, while other teams are sitting in the corner being uh, denied what they should be uh, awarded. It makes no sense whatsoever. You can't make absolute uh, uh, statements based on what's going on in the second week of May. Yeah, uh, it's uh, exactly. And and how much of that, Bob, do you think is it is that it's just because it's the Orioles? I feel like they get discounted all the time because 
they're the Orioles, and they were so bad for so long, and then they had a nice little run, and then they were so bad for a good bit of time again. Is it more so than anything else, it's the Orioles? I think that might, in the eyes of some, obviously Steve Phillips appears to be one of those people. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of a, let's, uh, the suckage since 2016 mm-hmm. for the Orioles. And we remember that from 12 to 16, when they went to the playoffs three times, they had the best record, more wins than anybody in the American League. Yep. And I think that's kind of forgotten as well. And if you remember those teams, the Pocota rankings, the analytics, never really gave them a shot, and then here they are over the course of 162 on an actual baseball diamond, blowing away those projections, and this team's kind of doing it too. Yeah, I think you look at the East in particular, Tampa's legit, the Yankees, because they're the Yankees, they're always going to get just that extra nudge of respect. Boston's been playing really well. Toronto spent a ton of dough, but they've got a lot of homegrown talent. I think the Orioles are the team that's not supposed to be doing it, even though if you're paying attention, and obviously you guys are, and the listeners are, and the Orioles have had the number one uh, farm system in baseball for a couple of years. We're seeing, seeing these guys now ascend to the majors, and there's still a plethora of guys down on the farm that are going to make their way to Baltimore before it's all said and done. The, the, the losing and now the high draft picks, they're starting to pay off. I don't think it's really rocket science. I know the Orioles don't spend a ton of dough, which is maybe one of the reasons that uh, they're discounted in the eyes of some of these so-called experts there. Now, you mentioned the farm system there, Bob, and you already mentioned it a little bit earlier, talking about the rotation, talking about Cole Irvin and D.L. Hall down at the minor league level. Those guys are absolutely dominating. Irvin's ERA is down to 321, I believe. and I'm sorry, down to 319. And then you have D.L. Hall, who's down to 329. They both have dominated their, their last few starts. At what point do the Orioles kind of have their hand forced where it's like these guys are just killing it down at the minor league level. They're not being challenged. We need to bring them up. And... What do you do about the guys in the rotations? You ultimately think that a guy like Tyler Wells, as good as he's been this year, gets moved to that long relief role. Because Ryan and I were talking about it earlier. If you replace Austin Both with Tyler Wells in that long relief role and get one of those other guys up into the rotation, I think it makes this team the best that they can possibly be. Well, well Paul, the, the dilemma is who gets sacrificed. Because we just talked about how well they're doing right now. And it's a good problem, if you want to call it that, to have. But at whose expense? I mean, right. does Wells have to go out and, like, quote, air quote, pitch for his job every time he hits the post every fifth day? Kramer seemed to be that guy, remember, because mm-hmm. uh, I thought the Atlanta game, if he would have got rocked there, he probably was pitching in Norfolk his next start. So do you have to have that pressure on you, Braddish, Wells, Kramer, to keep your job knowing that the uh, reinforcements are knocking on the door? It's a good problem to have, if you want to call it that. But, uh, you know, Cole Irvin's a guy with a 180-inning track record in his career, just as what was it last year. Yeah. Orioles trading a prospect who, you know, wasn't Gunnar Henderson, but he wasn't some scrub. Hurrays, or I, I can't remember his name. Sorry about that. But, you know, he was one of their top 20 prospects for sure. So they sacrificed a little to get him, and he got, he got booted after three starts. So he's going to be back. The question is, at whose expense? And, again, you guys have seen how lame the rotation's been over the years. This is actually like, wow, we're actually talking about guys coming up to take the place of players who aren't really embarrassing themselves. So I don't know the long-winded way to get around the question, but I don't really know what they're going to do here. But, yes, 
it's a nice little dilemma to have, if you want to call it that. And look, these these problems, Bob, as we all know, they tend to figure themselves out. We were talking about who's gonna who's gonna go when Tate and Givens come back into this bullpen, and you know those guys have kind of made them made it kind of clear who would probably be likely to go once those guys are ready to come back. But then you look at the back end of the Orioles bullpen, and you'll you'll be hard pressed to find a more dominant, better. Uh, duo at the back of a bullpen than the Rock and the Mountain in Yenier Cano and Felix Bautista. Bautista comes out last night, his best outing in weeks. He strikes out all three batters he faced. He touched 100. He had been sitting 96, 97 in his, in his uh, previous several outings, and I think that was more so than anything, Bob, him trying to find his command by taking something off of his velocity. How good has this uh, back end been? How is it possible that Yenier Cano has been this historically good, not walking anybody after walking the world last year? And how much of a magic man is Chris Holt to get the best out of these two guys? I, I tell you what, uh, what Cano's doing is unbelievable. Literally. Yeah. I mean, I'm not believing what I'm seeing every time he takes the mound. And last year, as you said, he got rocked and he was more or less a throw-in in the uh, Lopez trade last year with Minnesota, but I read a story in the Baltimore Sun, Jacob Calvin Meyer, I believe, wrote it, where Cano said he he was flying too far open with his left shoulder because he you know, throws right-handed. He's been using those resistance bands to make sure that he doesn't do it, kind of uh, giving him the, uh, the mental exercise as well as the physical exercise. But watching him, and he throws, what, high 90s, but that changeup is, like, mesmerizing. Mm-hmm. So what Cano's doing right now is what Batista was doing last year. Because, remember, Batista as a youngster in Miami system. He couldn't throw strikes consistently. He comes up last year and just completely blows away the competition. What Holt is doing and what they're doing as an organization, the Orioles, with these guys who are kind of scrappy dudes, if you don't mind the expression, is unbelievable. Yeah, it's it's been a revelation. The fact the, the the thing that blows me away the most is the fact that Cano's not hasn't walked a single batter. I I, I just can't get over that. And then, you, like you said, you you've seen what happened with Cano, what happened with Bautista last year. They have been absolutely fantastic. They're going to carry the Orioles a long way because if they get you get into the late innings with that back end bullpen with a lead, you're not losing ball games. You're not losing many ball games. We'll, we'll put it that way. But, Bob, I do think that the Orioles are going to need to be active at the deadline to give them that little bit of an extra push. Are you in the camp? Especially, we've just been talking about the rotation. Do they need to go out and get a legitimate ace for this rotation? Or do you think, like I do, they really need one more big-time bat to put in the middle of their order to make this offense that much more formidable? You know what? First of all, they're going to be buyers at the trade deadline. This is The rebuild's over. Since Rutschman came up last May, almost a year ago, what are they, 25, 26 games over 500? They're a legitimate contender in the American League. I could see both sides of the argument. I'm not trying to be wishy-washy, but I think we just talked about the starting pitching. I mean, you have reinforcements down on the farm. Do you have Garrett Cole? No. You know, the Yankees have Garrett Cole. Not everybody has that top-of-the-rotation stopper kind of guy. But I think you can be competitive enough to win a lot of games and maybe even have postseason success. Keep in mind, John Means is coming back, too. Yep. Now, what they get out of him, I have no idea. And that might be an added trade deadline bonus, if you will. But, yeah, the offense or the, the inconsistencies there, that might be more of an issue. So, Paul, to your point, 
I think that might be something they could address. But at what position, though? You're looking for a slugging outfielder. You're looking for a corner infielder. We know Gunner's the everyday third baseman now because Arias is on the IL, but he's really scuffling. Look, Mateo's hitting, what, a buck 15 in the month of May after a brilliant April. I think another bat could definitely help their cause because, yeah, no pitching and defense in the playoffs tends to win games, but, you know, two for 29, one for 10, one for 18, 0 for sixes, they're not getting it done in the playoffs. Yeah, it, scoring position. Absolutely, and if you are going to go into into there with with the rotation that you have, where you're going to be able to trust Kyle Gibbons to give you six Kyle Kyle Gibson to give you six seven innings, but he's given up three or four runs. You're going to need you're going to need to score some runs. So I I think we can agree there, Bob, that maybe that legitimate bat is what they need. It's just who's available and who's willing to give them up and for what. So, Bob, this yeah, is... So, and the Orioles have a ton of prospects, as we all know. So they've got... Uh, they have some tradable assets down on the farm. And uh, let's take advantage of it. They might not work out in Baltimore. There might not be room for them in Baltimore. But, you know, if they're highly regarded, let's see what you can get for them. Absolutely. Bob, before we let you go, um, we play a little game yeah. on this show called Take to Rake. Um, you're a 105.7 fan, um, uh, a radio show host, so you remember Pick the Click with Jeremy and Scott back in the day. This is our version sure. of that. We do take the rake, but instead of picking a player for a game, we pick a player for the Orioles for the week um, that we think is going to have the best offensive week. Since you're the guest, we're going to let you pick first. Uh, the only rule is you can't take Adley Rutschman because Rich Dubroff took him last week. So you can't take the, the, the okay. player can't be taken <laughs> two weeks in a row. So I'm going to let you go ahead. Who are you taking for uh, take to rake this week? Uh, let's see. Are we counting today's game? Yes, absolutely. Or next week? This, today's right, game see. too. You got Pittsburgh. You got uh, Angel. Oh, Tani's going Monday, right? Isn't that the projected thing for Anaheim or Lawson? Whatever the hell they are now. Let's see. I am going to go with Austin Hayes to be my guy that uh, rakes and does all sorts of damage from the uh, the bat, and I think the wheels are going to come in play. He's going to make a stellar defensive uh, gem or two, but offensively, I'll go with Austin Hayes. I'm thinking Mateo since we just talked about how brutal he's been in May, but I'll go with Austin Hayes as my guy. Okay. Um as Ryan, you're going to get to pick. It was neck and neck for Cedric and Santander. Last night's game put Cedric over the top. He slashed 348, 375, 696 with a 1071 OPS. Santander, 333, 445, 24 with a 964 OPS. Really tight, but Cedric gets the edge there, so I'm going to have you pick second. Who you got? I am actually going to take Anthony Santander. All uh, right. The, uh, he, he's been red hot so far in May. It sounds like a chalk pick because he has been so good. But I look at the Angels' rotation. They have a lot of lefties there. They do have Otani currently lined up for Monday. That hasn't been formally announced, but that's how it lines up. And then I believe most of the other Angels starters are left-handed pitchers. Santander hits lefties very well. I think he rides the momentum and and has a good week. All right, I'm going to stick my neck out there. This guy's been hitting the hell out of the ball and not having any success for it recently. Uh, I'm taking Gunnar Henderson to break out in a big way this week. All right, that's going to do it for Bob's segment. Bob, thank you so much. Before we let you go, uh, what can we plug for you here? What do you want to talk to us a little bit about? Well, fellas, uh, coming up Monday, it's Vinny and Haney, 105.7 The Fan, from 10 to 2 weekdays. And then it's Baltimore Baseball Tonight. Uh, and when we're at home, we're at Pickles Pub. We're brought to you by Salvo Auto Parts, if you don't mind the plug there. Road games, we're back at the station. It will be uh, Oriole Hall of Famer Mike Bordick with me this week. 
uh, talking about the Orioles, who are legit, they're contenders. And, hey, look, the Angels aren't half bad. I mean, they won last night. They're, what, second place in the AL West. So that should be an interesting series. But weekdays, 10 to 2, me and Vinny. And then uh, weeknight, Baltimore baseball tonight on 105.7 The Fan. Uh, we love Bordy. Bordy's been on both of Ryan's and my shows, and he's always a, he's always a great guest to talk some Orioles uh, he's baseball. He's a beast. With. He's awesome. The kind of guy you want to get a beer star. with. Hey, hey, Bob, do they... No, do you yeah. go to these games after you do Baltimore baseball tonight, or is it you do that, you go down there for a half an hour, I'm sorry, you go down there for an hour, and then you go do whatever you want after that? Well, I go to the games occasionally, not every game, because, you know, doing the show in the morning and uh, evening gets a little tiresome. I'm an old geezer at 58 years old, so I can't <laughs> hang like I used to. But, yes, I do check out as much action as I can going to the game tomorrow. As a matter of fact, Mother's Day, uh, about 15 of us. Going on down, uh, the ladies will get their little sacks there, whatever that thing is, the cross-body bag. I can't remember what the official term is. So I will actually be in Camden Yards tomorrow as a fan enjoying the Pirates and Orioles. Awesome. Uh, You going into the uh, the birdbath splash zone? I don't want anybody squirt me with water. I'll spill enough stuff on myself. I don't need anybody else. I hear you, Bob. Thanks so much for taking some time for us. We'll talk to you soon down the line, all right? All right, fellas. Thank you. Take care. That was Bob Haney, gracious enough to come on the show today and give us an awesome segment. I always love talking to Bob on the show. It's only the second time we've been able to have him on. And and honestly, the only reason is because the first time that I got him on, um, I had to contact him through email because I couldn't get his number from anybody. And I forgot that I had his number after that time. I thought I only had his email and it never occurred to me, email the guy to get him on the show. And I looked at my phone and I'm like, holy crap, I I do have his phone number. I I would have Bob on the show probably five times a season. Um, otherwise, something shocking just happened. You looked like you were shocked by something you saw on your phone. No, I was. Uh, I, I was. I was looking to see who lines up for the Angels this week. They haven't announced any starters. Um, their rotation currently has Otani, who is lined up for Monday, not officially scheduled. But uh, the only other righty in their rotation right now is Griffin Canning, and he's only, he's there because of an injury. Um, so I was looking to see who started, who is starting for the Angels tomorrow. He would be the pitcher the Orioles miss. That's Patrick Sandoval. So they won't face the lefty Sandoval, but they will likely face Tyler Anderson and Reed Detmers in that series, two lefties. But the the, the shocked face came from seeing that Emmanuel Classe blew a save against the Angels last night because oh. he is on my fantasy team. Oh, that's a shame. Sorry there, bud. That's all right. I had Felix, too. Ah, well, all right. We are going to catch our third and final break. want to remind you that today's show is brought to you by... Another press box offer. Have you seen all of Maryland's minor league ballparks? Press box is giving you the chance to check out all of them this summer. Head over to pressboxonline.com slash contest now and sign up to win. Four tickets to each of the local minor league baseball teams. One Easy Pass Maryland on-the-go transponster uh, preloaded with $25 and a $50 gas card from Royal Farms to help you get around. Must be 18 or older to enter, and the sweepstakes end June 14th. So get over to PressBoxOnline.com slash contest right now to sign up. We're going to hit a break. When we come back, we'll close things out with final thoughts. That's next on The Bat Around. 
The All-America Senior Game, powered by New Balance, will be back at Johns Hopkins Homewood Field on July 29th. The most decorated girls and boys lacrosse players in the country have been invited to play in what is the premier lacrosse event of the year. Every college coach wants their players in this game, and if you dream of being in this game, you start by trying out for one of your regional underclass teams this summer. The best against the best. Get your tickets now at allamericalacrosse.com. Baseball season is finally here, and what better way to celebrate than with some fresh gear from Birdland Sports. As a small business run by O's fans, Birdland Sports offers a great selection of unofficial merchandise, including unique designs like Birds Are Coming tees, player cartoon shirts, and championship prediction designs. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. Get high-quality gear without breaking the bank. So whether you're heading to the ballpark or watching from home, show your love for the birds with Birdland Sports. Visit Birdland Sports Sports.com today to browse their collection and gear up for the season. Let's go O's! Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. That first sip. That first bite. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson looks at the pipeline of talent still to come for the Orioles. Diving in on last year's number one pick, Jackson Holiday, and other top prospects like Colton Kowser, Heston Kerstad, Kobe Mayo, and more. Also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles Orioles pitcher Kyle Gibson. And Bo Smolka breaks down what progress would mean for the team's 2022 draft picks in their second pro season. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Hartford Community College in Bel Air, Maryland, along with the National Junior College Athletic Association's Region 20, will host the 2023 NJCAA Men's Lacrosse National Championship May 13th and 14th at Hartford Sports Complex, 401 Thomas Run Road in Bel Air. Semifinals are on Saturday, May 13th. The National Championship is Sunday, May 14th. Catch the action for $10 each day. Tickets will be available in advance or at the gate on game day. Qualify teams will be announced. Sometimes you just gotta let it run. You just gotta let it run. We are back here on the Bat Around closing things out. Let's take a look back at the Bet Around from last week. We told you to take the over uh, on seven and a half runs between the Yankees and the Rays at minus 118. Um, uh, Herman, Mar- what's his name? Domingo Herman yep. um, had struggled against the Rays. I expected them to put up a big number against him. Yankees won that game through the two. We missed. Um, I told you to take Randy Arosarena at plus 420 to homer in that game because he has a ton of success against uh, Domingo Herman. That was a miss. He went one for four with no home runs. 
We also told you to take Anthony Santander plus 470 to Homer. He hit, I believe he hit two doubles in the game, including one off the fence. Um, yeah, he hit two doubles. One was off the top of the fence in right field, but he did not Homer, so that is a miss. We did tell you to take Spencer Strider at minus 245, eight plus Ks. That was a hit. He had 10 strikeouts. He had six strikeouts like the first three innings, so I knew that that was going to be um, easy money there, but, you know, it you know, doesn't pay off when you miss <laughs> the other three. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so we're something like four and like 73 this year in, in picks. It's not that bad, but it's like four and 13 in our, in our picks this year. Um, today, what I'm going to take here is we're looking at Shane McClanahan taking on Nestor Cortez. Uh, I'm going to take the under at minus 115 uh, for eight and a half runs in that game. I think that that's a no-brainer. So, of course, I did that, and the Yankees will score nine runs in the first inning and just screw me right off the bat. Um we're going to move to we're going to look at the we're going to look at the money at, at the over on nine runs between the Mets and the Nationals, Lucchese versus Williams, two guys who forgettable guys. I think we're going to see some runs scored in that game. I'm looking for Joey Menezes to have a really big game. So we're going the over on nine runs at minus 122. And then we'll get to your home team, the Baltimore Orioles, and we like to pick who we think is going to hit a home run for the teams. Um you know what? Before I do that, let me go look at the matchup for today. Um, Ryan, who do they got going again today? It's it's Tyler Wells. Tyler taking Wells versus Runzi Contreras. Tyler Wells versus Runzi. Is that what you said? Runzi Contreras? I believe it's Runzi. Runzi. And he's a right-handed pitcher. The Orioles tend to feast on right-handed pitching. So I'm going to take to hit a home run today. Hopefully he's in the lineup. I'm going to take Austin Hayes at plus 630. I think he's due to go deep today. And if I want to win some extra money, I'm taking Gunnar Henderson at plus 750. I was just thinking Gunnar. Odds uh, are probably low. Yeah, I'm he taking... smoked one last night. Just get a little bit under it. That ball's gone. He's He's been driving the hell out of the ball recently and not much success to show for it. And with the everyday playing now, um, knowing that he's the third baseman until Arias comes back at a minimum, um, I think that he's going to get that back going. I expect, I, I'm going to take Gunnar Henderson plus 750 to homer, Austin Hayes plus 630. To Homer. All right, almost time to get on out of here, Ryan. Um, since you are the guest, any final thoughts for us today? Yeah, Brandon Hyde, if you're listening, uh, let me get one inning at shortstop for Gunnar Henderson, please. He's at nine games for fantasy baseball eligibility at shortstop. I have Bryson Stott in my middle infield spot right now. He has really scuffled lately after a hot start to the season. I need Gunnar to get shortstop eligibility. Brandon, if you're listening, I just need one inning, bro. Just one inning from Gunnar at short. And I'll be happy. That's my final thought. Also, call your moms. Also, call your moms. Um, my final thought is that wasn't a real final thought. That was just me being selfish, honestly. Nah, it's all. <laughs> that's all right. That's all right. Um, you know, I, I I like to try and wing these because, you know, I I like to see how the show goes and and whatnot. My final thought is that at some point you've got to have the best starting five in your rotation. The best guy, the guys who are going to put the best foot forward. And right now, that's what they're doing, right? But is it going to stay that way? Are you going to be able to leave Cole Irvin and D.L. Hall down at the minor league level? Uh, are you going to have to trade a starting pitcher? Um, and maybe you do. And then you're going to get John Means back. You don't know what you're getting out of John Means. I'm not expecting much. A lot of people think he's going to come back and be the guy who threw the no-hitter. I wouldn't expect that. I really would not expect that. John Means isn't even the guy who threw that no hitter. Yeah. Like, like I, I like John Means. He's a three or a four. Yeah. That And, and like... 
it sucks to say because he's been so good for them, but like, let's not expect that this guy's going to come back up here and then and, and suddenly be, um, I don't know, this is Shane McClanahan. That's not that's not going to happen. If you get a four and a half ERA out of John Means and a handful of starts, I think that you can have a lot of promise moving forward. So for me, it's I think ultimately you're getting DL Hall and Cole Irvin back into this rotation, and that might have to come at the expense of a Kyle Gibson trade and Tyler Wells moving to the bullpen, but eventually you're going to see those guys in this rotation. I, I do think ultimately at the end of the day, Tyler Wells, as good as he's been in the rotation, the peripherals say that he that this success isn't going to last. He's a guy who really makes your team that much better, replacing Austin Both in your bullpen. So that's my final thought, that the team is best with uh, Hall and Irvin up in the rotation and Wells moving to the bullpen. So that's going to do it for us here on the uh, on the bat around. Uh, thank you to Ryan for coming in and filling in uh, more than admir- admirably, more than adequately, quite nicely, quite well uh, in place of Zach, who was doing oh, his. Eh, you know, you know, we got we got to flatter the guests. Um, he he's, uh, so thank you for filling in for Zach Goodman. Thanks Absolutely. to. Um, to Bob Haney for coming on the show and giving us a great segment. Thanks to all the listeners, all the sponsors. Without either of you, we don't have a show. Uh, thank you to Stan. Stan did get back to me. He just did, he just missed my calls. Um, and he did try to call during the show, but we were in the middle of a segment and just couldn't squeeze it in. Stan will be back next week for his weekly segment. Until then, see ya.